I always have an 8 a.m. meeting. Bright and early. Yeah, but it only lasts like five minutes. The toilet? No, they... <laughs> no, dude. It's his time in there. It's his time. It's, 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 a, it's on company time. Oh, okay. <clears throat> wow. <clears throat> you're, you're but the other day, he did take that company meeting in the bathroom. I, yep. I have no doubts that he did. Did you flush with the mute off? I always have the mute off and the camera off because I often take those meetings in bed. You mean the mute on? Bed. You have the mute on. I mean on. <laughs> mute on, camera off. I like the I like the original <laughs> yeah. story, Deb. In the category of things that Barry does that does surprises no one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that reminds me of that Supreme Court story uh-huh. during COVID when they were they were doing oral arguments and right. it was over Zoom and something and. In the middle of, just in the middle of somebody's, blah, 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 la, 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 and then, you know, case, blah, 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 flush. Yep. <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> Supreme Court, probably Clarence Thomas. Well, so no, I'm real careful about the mute button in the, in the mm-hmm. camera. I will tell you, though, something that's weird, and I still find this very weird, but there are some women who have no qualms about talking on the phone while they're in the bathroom at all. They'll come in, public restroom, talking normal volume not even quietly normal volume they go into the stall they're still chit-chatting normal volume and i'm like the yeah oh like in a public time. restroom in a public oh, restroom okay. oh, no there's the some men time. who do that too my favorite thing to do when someone does that is he's pooping <laughs> right now he's pooping he's making a duty <laughs> what are they gonna do <laughs> what are they gonna do come around gonna come out of the stall with his pants down at his ankles no there's nothing you can do except mute his phone yeah, that's I was going to suggest sing opera, but I like that one much better. Oh, yeah. yeah. Aren't there supposed to be great acoustics for opera? In the yes. Thing? Oh, that's what I thought. Yeah. I don't know any <laughs> opera. You don't have to. No, well, you, you can know, fake it's, it. It's, okay. it's, it's, it's interesting because there are a lot of stories about like old rock bands and and uh, they find trying to find a place that has the best acoustics and it always winds up being like the dorm bathroom because, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of the easiest places to access and it has good acoustics so they go and record in there and i'm like okay and some of your some of the songs that you were had would have as your favorites growing up were recorded in a bathroom right yeah but i don't really give a shit about your q2 sales goals when i'm you know trying to do my business yeah. and get out of the public bathroom weird owls demo for my bologna yep that's true i still want to see that Movie. You want to see? You want to see him in the bathroom singing my balloon? No, I want to see the movie oh. that. Uh, um, weird. Wait, wasn't another? Yeah, weird. Another one rides the bus. No, it was my balloon. Yeah, it was one of those. I, I think they might have done both. I'm not sure, but I, I think you're right. The, uh, uh, the first one. It's my brain's. Not, Either yeah. way, I'm behind it. Yeah. I can't guarantee the factuality of that statement whatsoever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 689. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Blarg. And Deb. And we're here to talk Week and Geek. Sorry we missed last week, everybody. There was some horrible illnesses happening. Well, yeah. one normal illness and one really horrible illness. And only yeah. two of us know how to use the board. So. And they were the two ill ones. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I tried to recover enough to do a show, but by the time I did, it was too late. So, uh, yeah, I, I was one of the offenders. I got shingles, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, oh. what a joy. Yay. Let me tell you what a treat that is. <laughs> oh, my God. Everything you've heard about it, it's way worse. Yeah, uh, the damn virus, it attacks your nervous system. So, 
you go from, you know, mild aches to shooting pain, uh, you know, the, almost to the point where it makes you want to pass out. Ugh. Please put me uh, to sleep right now so I can just yeah. sleep this out. Yeah. And then you can't actually get sleep. Like I have had, I have should say I have not had a solid night's sleep since this began because I can't do the whole straight eight hours. It's like I'll sleep a couple hours, wake up in pain, you know, put the heating pad on or something, take some Tylenol, whatever, fall back to sleep for another couple hours. It's just, it's not fun. That sucks. Candy cigarette? Leave me out. <laughs> no, thanks. No? All, right. All right. First off, a big fuck you to Leon Mitt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently, Leon Mitt sent you another pack. Sorry, carton of 24 candy cigarettes. Is this true? Oh, yeah. He came by and he's like, look what I got. Like, oh, here we go. Todd's going to love it. <sighs> Second I walked in the house, I shook my head. <laughs> The, the universe collectively shook its head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can quit anytime I want. I can just throw mm-hmm. them away. I want you to. I want. I want you to prove it. Prove to me that you can quit candy cigarettes. I don't believe you. I think we need an intervention to save your life. I don't owe you shit. <laughs> See, what first sign of an addict right there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't owe you proof of my outlandish claim. Mm-hmm. Ten years from now, you get stomach cancer, and we'll all know it's from the damn candy cigarettes. But nowhere on this pack does it say the Surgeon General (laughs) is warning me about stomach cancer. I can see it now. Beef gelatin is questionable enough. The oncologist is like doing the exam and saying, by any chance, did you ever consume like a large quantity of beef gelatin? (laughs) No comment. Yes, sir, he did. It doesn't say that on the Frank Thomas boner pills either, but you know. (laughs) And Devil be in the corner just giving him the... The stink eye, like, I told you so. Yep. <laughs> Fine, I'll switch to, I'll, I'll get the, like, the patch for uh, candy cigarettes. <laughs> what does that entail? What I, is the patch for I, I have no uh, idea. Slice of bologna and a gauze. <laughs> <laughs> just you, strap it to his arm. You just lick a, a jellied peach ring and stick it on your arm. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> hey, it could be worse. I could have, like, candy pipes. Oh, I got it. Uh, wait, wait, what? Bouillon cube and a Band-Aid. <laughs> you mean like the bubblegum pipes? No, I mean eating a whole candy pipe. That's a thing? Candy pipes exist? No, but it should. Okay, that's that, that I think is what I was trying yeah. to do. You could carve a Twinkie into the shape of a pipe. Can you carve a Twinkie? If you freeze it, mm. you can, yes. Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> I should have known. Jeff's in the room. Yeah, I shouldn't yeah, ask yeah. questions. But it's not going to stay frozen very or, long. You know, well, ask and you shall receive. Well, the reason, the only reason I know that is, you know, state fairs, people do art with weird things, and sure enough, wow. they had Twinkie art, where they would, they would carve like little animals and stuff out of Twinkies. You know what? Between Jeff and Andy, yes. they have experienced every weird thing. Yes, Probably. they have. And always at the fair, right? Yeah. <laughs> It's always at like the county fair in like the middle of the country. Podunk. Yes. I mean, I'm surprised you don't have more of these stories, Torgo, because you also grew up in the Midwest. So yeah, but I got chased out of fairs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> his his his. Ah, fair his, enough. Uh, <laughs> his stories are just about raiding Indian tombs, Native American. <laughs> but uh, tombs. but to be fair, to be fair, uh, Andy always has way better stories than I do, because <laughs> like. Mine are just uh, like, oh, okay. Way, way better. Way, way, way? I don't know about way. More interesting, maybe. 
uh, more unique? interesting, unique. There we go. Yes. Way more unique stories oh, than okay. I have when it comes to county fairs. He has some of the best almost stories. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> because, see, I stopped going to the fair a long time ago. Andy is a carny, so no. he's continuing yeah. to go to these things oh, yeah. and continuing to experience more bizarreness. So the only fairs I ever... I went to the Orange County Fair in Southern California, which... Yeah. Everybody probably already can tell it wasn't really I, a I, weird. I feel fair. like California fairs are probably not. It depends on the, Cali- the part of California you're in. Central, because, maybe. Central like California that's where my parents live, and some of those. Well, you get more farm country, and you get you there know. There you go. You need farmers because uh, you get too far north, and you get into the wine country, and they're a little bit more well, that's, snooty. That's northwest. That is the coast. You yeah. have a shit ton of state that is well, yeah, literally just farmland and small little podunk towns right yeah no we got to go to the fair where people don't wear shoes oh god you don't want to go to one of those some of the smaller county fairs in texas are like that yeah that's where you find your weirdness mm-hmm. always look at the shoes people that that's how you know what kind of fair you're in by the quality of the footwear or if it exists I want to address a few business things. Uh, first of all, uh, we tried a little experiment uh, you might not be aware of, a Kofi member, so I want to make sure you're aware of it. Uh, we have created an exclusive Kofi channel on YouTube for our audio content. We've put our first streaming item up, and that is our discussion of Picard Season 3 with spoilers. Uh, the only way that you can access this right now is by going to our Kofi webpage itself and going onto our message board where we have put a direct link there. Uh, you can stream it directly from the page. It's one way of getting it a little easier uh, way of listening to our content versus just downloading it from our Google Drive. So let us know what you think of this as a potential solution. So I want to hear back from you uh, for good or ill, how you feel about this. Uh, one thing I do like about it is that uh, once I've engaged it with my system, it's now in my YouTube history. So I can then see it from my YouTube account anywhere I'm at. I don't even have to go to the Kofi channel anymore. In fact, I don't even watch it from the Kofi page. Uh, right when it starts, there's that little YouTube button in the bottom right-hand corner, and that takes me directly to YouTube. And at that point, I'm watching it from my app. So want to make sure you're aware that's out there. Let me know what you think. Uh, and if uh, this works for you, we'll apply all of our streaming content toward that. Uh, but first, we want to make sure it's even viable for you. So let us know. But that is there, so uh, go check it out. Um, also, I want to address uh, something that some of you have uh, witnessed, uh, witness, uh, asked about. Uh, Matt has taken a, hi- a hiatus from the show. This is uh, not a bad thing. It's just he wanted to take some time off. And uh, it, it's, it's not a job. Because it's a, what we do for fun. So uh, this, the chair is always open to him. He's fun, like, quote unquote. <laughs> he's he's uh, always fun, welcome to return. And he's very well. Very well aware of this, so uh, he's he's left on good terms and possibly only temporarily. But uh, he is currently uh, yes away from the show. Uh, Unlike when I leave, I'm going to burn the place to the ground. It's going to be great. Uh, you didn't do that last time. Yeah, I was going. Well, I didn't leave. I just kinda, I went out for a drink for and ten then, years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, you expect to hear more Andy and Biggs on the show in the near future as well. I'm very sorry about that, everybody. Yeah, it's just you know. You, you lose Matt. That's who you get. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Blame Matt. Matt's fault. There you go. All my Blame fault. Canada. Blame, Blame Canada. Canada. 
And that being said, uh, it's been a little bit. So what geeky things you do uh, this week or last, uh, Deb? Well, um, we finally got to watch the series finale of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon. It was very good. Oh, my God. This last season, this whole season, cried probably at least once every episode. Um, Definitely, they kind of do lots of flash forwards throughout every episode this final season wrapping up different parts of the story and progressing um throughout like you know the future because the show starts in like the late 50s and this season um or sorry take it back the show starts in the early 50s and this last season i believe is 1953 54 um and throughout this last season it flashes forward all the way to 2005 so um you really do get a fully wrapped good like ending to the series you know where everybody's at what happens to everybody there's no none of this like well i don't know so and so never showed up again in any of the episodes and we have no idea what happened to them so it does definitely tie it up really nicely um this show is so funny if you have not watched it you need to watch it. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon. It is hilarious. And it is about a female comedian in the, in the early 50s in New York. And she's Jewish and just super funny. And like the way that she does her comedy, it's about her life and bringing up things about being Jewish and about being a woman, you know, a woman comedian and about being a single mom because her husband had an affair and, they, you know, all these. It's just super funny. They do an, a really good job with the show. And all the characters are very not necessarily all of them are likable but connectable like they don't feel fake they feel like you know real people that you could definitely see in your life or friend's life or family or whatever so it's a really good show tony shalhoub is amazing in this show he steals every scene just with his presence watch this show it's fucking hilarious you could have just ended after tony shalhoub is amazing. i know right i mean i can't think of anything that i've seen him in that he just wasn't fantastic in that's her father right yeah yeah monk he didn't i like that show and in fact you didn't even have to say marvelous miss you just say we watched tony shalhoub (laughs) we watched the finale let's be clear i the main actress and i don't remember her name but she is amazing in this series she plays mrs mazel she is amazing very good and her um manager is a comedian who i can't remember her name either her real name she does the voice of Lois. On Family Guy? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So what's her freaking name? Um, she had a comedy special huh. come out recently anyway, but she is also, she does a very good job in the show. She plays her manager. So definitely suggest it. We finally got to go see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Oh. So good. Oh, my God. I loved it. I cried, obviously, a few times. Um, you just... You just cried a lot this week. Is that I, it? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I always have emotional response to TV movies. That's just me. I'm an emotional driven person. So if anything, especially with animals, hits that spot, I'm going to fucking cry. And for those of you who don't know, this movie, the main premise is about Rocket's story. So you get to see a lot of how he became who he is. And it's not a happy, go lucky, fun story, obviously. So it's so good. They tied it up so well um fun fact rocket starts as a jewish woman comedian in the 50s (laughs) i couldn't believe it it was crazy 
anyway um but yeah they did they did a really good job i left feeling very happy with how they have tied that bow on a lot of the characters stories because you don't know who you might see in the next films but they're not doing any more guardians of the galaxy films period so they did they did tie it up really nicely it was very enjoyable well i mean it's it won't be the guardians as we know them now because they left the door open for the quote-unquote next generation of Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, they did. And I think they'll show up in other Marvel films, but I don't think they'll do another Guardians of the Galaxy And I'm glad that they don't because the movies may start to suffer the same problems, I think, that the comics do, where if there's a big event... It's not just one or two people are going to go and handle it. You got all these superheroes. It's like, well, where is such and such? Where is this guy? Right. Why isn't Captain America chiming in? It's like, ugh, enough. You know, I just want the focus story to focus on this this small group. And with the Guardians out there, it's just there. there's four or five more people that have to chime in on every big event. It's easier without them. Well, except now there is a standing Guardian. Like, they have passed, passed torches to different people. Some of them have whatever. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, they're available and there and if the story and the larger universe dictates that they need to be But present. you're right. It's wrapped up nicely. Yes. Yeah, James Gunn definitely has uh, the ability to make a good balance between uh, the cinematography, you know, the, the, the framing of the different scenes and really tugging at your heartstrings, you know, making you laugh, making you cry. I mean, sometimes in the same five minutes. Yeah of the story and the story is really compelling i mean it's not i know that's been kind of some of the gripes people have had about some of the more recent films is that it's a very simple it's usually a very simplistic story just framed around a specific uh marvel character so it's like well you could basically put any character in that situation blah 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 and i'm like well yes but that's sometimes that's just storytelling in general uh, especially when you take the you know the hero's journey kind of format and you know wrap it around in the Marvel universe, but but yeah, just something about the way James Gunn visualizes this. In fact, I was just watching an interview with him talking about how he did his own pre previs on this thing. He literally has a giant book where he would write out. He had the script. And then he would have little uh, etchings, of the, etchings scenes, yeah. of the scenes and how he wanted the characters in the frame, you know, where their marks would be, how the camera would be placed and had that all the way through the whole film. And it's amazing when you see some of these pictures of the pages that he put up on like Twitter and so forth and other social media and how much it's identical to the finished product that we got on the yeah. screen. Well, and the music. So, oh, I mean, like well, all the Guardi- yeah. all the Guardians films, I love the music. And this one, they definitely go into different decades for some of the songs. Um, definitely some decent 90s rock. Yep. Um, early, even early 2000s music shows up, which is, it's interesting, but all of it fit really well. And I think I remember seeing something where he said he like, he yeah. picked the songs. He did before he even got the yeah. rights to them. Yeah. He picked the songs that he know, knew he needed in every scene. And he just was like, that that's the song that's going to be playing. And this is what's going to be happening. So Yeah, that was another one of his uh, comments in the interview I saw. Is they, he's like, I've been amazed this, through this whole journey. There hasn't been a single song that I wanted that I was not able to get. And I'm like, that's pretty impressive because he does use the music as a pacing tool yeah. for the film. 
and the for the, that he's and using for the it scenes. In. Yeah. And and it just always works. It always works. It's Marvel. You can get anything. It does help. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. The power of the mouse. After the first success of Guardians, I, I, I'd be willing to bet they didn't have too many arguments. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Because it's a good venue to get yeah, yeah, yeah. popular music oh, heard. Oh, you got a whole bunch of younger, the younger generation just learning about that music that yeah. was that was one of the fascinating things after volume two and then subsequently now volume three they've noticed a major uptick in some of these songs that were in those films mm-hmm. in your your 20 to 30 range well it's just like with stranger things this whole last season with stranger things and yeah. that song and um, running up that hill like after that started showing up in the episodes it was it like made billboard top 10 for the first time, or the, or since it originally came out, like thirty years ago. Yeah. But fun fun fact, kids. The placebo cover of that song so much is better way better than the original song. Yeah. Just FYI. And then there was all along the Watchtower when Babylon. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh. When ba- Battlestar, yeah, Battlestar Galactica. Oh yes. yeah. Actually, oh, that's that actually, episode was amazing. Actually, I think I was joking. I don't. know. No. Yeah, I don't think that. No, helped all along the Watchtower. Yeah. It was, yeah. I don't mm-hmm. think Star Trek helped. Uh, Sabotage in any way. No. No. Yeah, really. <laughs> no. <laughs> Isn't it funny with all the different covers of All Along the Watchtower, the worst one is the original by yeah. Bob Dylan. <laughs> Dylan himself says Hendrix's like, yeah. cover is the best version. He's and, like, that's and, the song. That's the song. Yeah, and there have been other versions that come out since oh, then. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And yeah. It, it's Nobody funny because he basically it. says the same thing. He's like, oh, I really like that one too. I like that one too. And yeah. it's like, wow, that's that's your well, song and, and that that's, you're still positive that's about. That's Dylan. But that, I know, yeah, that's what I'm just saying. It's just amazing that he still stays positive yeah, about yeah. people covering his music. And well, you know, it is a it is a flattering thing. It is a getting, lot of songwriters are like getting that. pissed about uh, a cover. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess if it's like if it hits some level of fame that yours didn't, and people maybe even forget about you, maybe some artists would get pissed. But overall, it really is just like it's a. Tremendous flattery. But I like well, Marilyn yeah. Manson's "Tainted Love" better than uh, "Soft Cell." Actually, sorry. Sorry. actually, dude, Manson. Well, you know, he who should not be named had some fucking awesome covers. Yeah, who and, should not and be "Tainted named? Love" itself is a cover. Yeah, yeah, really? Soft Cell. Yeah, it's, that goes back to the uh, early '60s. Oh wow! Yeah. Actually, uh, this interesting. Uh, who should not related be story here? I was just. Manson. I was just watching this because uh, he's a total douchebag. Yes. Yeah. I was but watching this interview yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with Daryl Hall and John Oates, and they were talking about um, uh, confirming a rumor that some that had somebody had started this rumor that Michael Jackson had claimed that he ripped off one of their songs, and Daryl addressed it. He said, basically, uh, Michael Jackson came up to him and said, he's like, hey, I'm sorry that I stole your, your bass line, uh, for, to use for Billy for Billy Jean, and he's like, "Really? You th- you think it's like he's like I don't think they sound similar at all, but I'm flattered that you that you came up to me and and told me that you know you, you you're sorry so? and yeah. you, you think so, but he said, you know if he said I look at it this way, he's like if that inspired him to write that song, then I'm all for it. He's like blatant ripoffs. That's where I have a problem. Sure, and and, and even though yes, there are so many notes. And because there are X many notes, there yeah. are so many billions of combinations. Right. However, when you reduce it down to three chord changes or four chord changes, and there's a lot of similarities. There, you're gonna get similarities yeah. just because only so many notes fit within those chord changes. Yeah, because I mean, I I went back and listened to "I Can't Go for That," 
and and then listen to Billie Jean right at, one after the other, and I'm like, I guess they're kind of similar, yeah, yeah. but they don't sound the same. Mm-mm. No, not at, at least all. not to my my ears. So. But yeah, interesting little story. Barry, what'd you do? I don't care. Jeff, what'd you do? <laughs> okay, fine. Barry, what'd you do? I just did a lot, dude. A whole lot. The first thing I think I remember doing is buying Midnight Suns and playing the crap out of it. It's a great game. It's a great, great game, man. You are absolutely right. Uh, I, I got it on sale because I wouldn't buy it full pop. But uh, That's the Marvel That's Marble the Marvel one you'll come in and see. And most of the time, you'll see me doing like exposition or anything but the actual battle, which surprisingly is very little bit of the game. It's the best part. But most of the time I'm just running around collecting MacGuffins or or talking to people and building up my friendship XP. Yeah. I'm like, what the ugh, are we gonna battle or what? And so finally Yeah, but you, you get, get good benefits for building that friendship. Friendship. <sighs> you do. Friendship. And a lot of the time it I'm looking at like small cut scenes because I'm going to sleep and there's a whole sleep animation. You wake up, there's a whole wake up animation. There's an animation for this, an animation for that. I'm like, oh my God, let's <laughs> let's have some fighting. But no, it's a good story. It's a great game. You get the uh you got Deadpool. What else do you need? So I've been playing a lot of uh playing a lot of that. Oh yeah got some DLC in that one then. Oh no yeah I got the whole pack of uh uh Deadpool and uh, Venom and Storm and uh, what's the other one? Morbius. Oh yeah, Morbius. Yeah, I got all the all the bits there. So. I, I'm so sad that game didn't do as well as it should have. I don't understand why. It's a fun, fun game. I like those card games. It's, yeah. it's probably why, because there's, I mean, there's a whole like gaming culture that they don't they don't want it to feel like it has like a board game ish component to it. They want to just shoot things, kill things, yeah. play the story. You know what I mean? And so I, I can I could see why some people wouldn't like it, but yeah, the, the whole board and card game thing. If hey, now, here's an old Paul bit. If you were a fan of Coldcept on the PS2 way back in the day, you're oh, gonna dig this game for sure. They need to bring that game back. I know that was fun. Battle Monopoly, come on! It's what it is. It's Battle Monopoly. Go play Coldcept for the PS2 or Coldcept Saga. Excellent, excellent games. They still hold up to this day. Yes, they do. You don't believe me? Fight me. They do. <laughs> um, <clears throat> what else did we do? Oh, the fabulous board game flea market at Meepleville was this Saturday. And, ooh, I made out like a bandit. <laughs> Go, do tell. I'm do having tell. deja vu all of a sudden. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, I did. need to know. I need to live through you. Okay, I Okay, I got it. I got there 10 minutes uh, before it opened, I was the second in line. There was like 10, 12 people behind me, and then it got really crowded in there very quickly. You know, the word is out. This is where it is. And, and there was a, there was more vendors selling a lot of board games. So the first – and I talked to the first guy, and he was there with his kids. He knew what he was getting. I was like, all right, great. And then I, I walk in. Hey, Tim. Hey, okay. And I didn't have time to stop and talk to him. I just turned, looked. I scanned everything, and I looked a little deeper. I scanned everything again. Cause like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I was like looking for games that I would recognize because I was looking for Brass Birmingham because oh, it's, yes. it's apparently a good game and it's rated, rated well on Board Game Geek. And I saw Rebellion there, but Lewis has that, so I can always go play at Lewis. And uh, I saw and I saw someone. I thought I saw Outer Rim, but it wasn't there. And I know you have that. And I was just looking around. I saw Scythe. That wasn't bad. But then my eyes zeroed in. Frosthaven. Now, 
We were in a game store the other week, and we saw Frosthaven for like three hundred bucks. Oh no, wasn't it almost four hundred? No, it was three hundred dollars. Okay. It was four hundred was for like all the extra shit that they wanted to sell you with it. Someone was selling it here for one hundred twenty-five dollars. Why? So did they play it already? Nope. Brand new in box, never been opened. But the box had like a ding. It had dropped. Like something I, heavy had sat on top of it and poked a hole in the top of the box. I don't know why they were selling it on the cheap. Maybe they got that one for... Maybe they were game dealers and got one for free and got another one sent to them or something. I don't know. I don't care. I didn't even haggle because I just wanted to get that right then before uh, someone else. I was like, that's nope. That's a sign. That's mine. If you're ever selling, folks, and Barry <laughs> doesn't want to haggle, you done fucked up. So I just... <laughs> I laid down 125 bucks. I said, all right, I want this game, but we got to open this and make sure it's all good and everything's there because, you know, caveat emptor. Yeah. So I did. I looked at it. I was like, great, here's your money. Yeah. Can you hold this back there while I look around? They're like, okay, yeah, fine. And then I picked up a few other games too. Ooh, what'd you get? Ooh, well, let me tell you. I got The Taverns of Tiefenthal. Oh. This is a fun game. We played this. On Saturday, actually. Yeah. Uh, you're, uh, it was... You build your way to the best tavern in town with this deck building dice drafting game. Ooh. Yep. So essentially you are building your bar in like medieval whatever. That's what it feels like, you know, or D&D-esque-ish. But you're building your bar and there are worker cards that you have to collect that let you do additional things. So like if you have a bar maiden, then you get to roll additional dice and you have to roll dice to... You roll dice and then you pass dice around so everybody gets to pick from dice that everybody has rolled. And you're trying to match the exact number on your patron cards so that you can either get money to buy more cards or get beer to buy more patrons. And the more beer you can get, the higher patrons you get. And those have victory points on them, et cetera, et cetera. So in the end, you want to get the most victory points. Right. And it's a game where uh, there's just eight turns and that's it, right? That's the eight, turns. Uh, eight main turns. Eight yeah. main turns. Made by the same people that made Quacks of Quenlinburg, I believe, right? I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. That's but an amazing actually, game, if, uh, if so. But as soon as we got the hang of the rules, it played really quickly, actually. And it has the rule book came with a separate rule book and it plays up to four or five modules. And it said, if you're going to play... You should, you know, you play can play addition, rules. but play the first set first because they compound on each other, it said. So, but it didn't take, once we got the rules, it didn't take us very long to get through the first module. Yeah, I imagine it gets like a fantasy flight game, gets real complicated after, but the basic rules, pretty easy. Yeah. So I, I really enjoyed it. Board Ta Game Geek gives it a 7.6. Taverns of Tiefenthal. Tiefenthal, made oh. in 2019. I also got... I got a copy of Forbidden Island. That's an old favorite. Oh, classics. That yeah. is a classic. I was in 2010. I also have uh, Forbidden Desert, which is a really good one. We played the Forbidden Sky. Eh. Yeah. Eh. Eh. No, but Forbidden Island's a classic one. It comes in like a tin. Uh, the island's sinking, and you have to just go around and collect the treasures and get out. It's a cooperative game. It's a short one. It's easy to learn. I recommend it to anyone who's... Uh, just got some friends over and just wanted to throw down some easy board games. I concur. Fantastic yeah. game. Also, I got that for half of what they were selling it for, so uh, that was also very good for me. <laughs> and then I got, uh, what's the other one I got? I got Forgotten Waters. You know what? I'm not going to talk about this we one. We haven't played it. Because we haven't yeah. played it. But I got it for half of what they were listing it for. The Sheriff. Oh, and we also we also <laughs> finally uh, picked up for the first time and learned, not, not there, but we we played it later, Sheriff Nottingham. Oh, it's such a good game. You have to play that yes. with us. And we were all thinking it because it's just a, f a 
fuck your buddy game. Yeah, and it's you. a bluffing game. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's yeah. hard, though, because, like, I'm not... Barry's really good at drama and, you know, acting and all that crap. And then it's my turn to be the sheriff. And I'm just like, well, I don't know. Show me your bag. Yeah. And then I, I ended up paying them fucking money every time. And I'm like, whatever. Uh, to give you the basic overview of the game, um, everybody takes turns being the sheriff of Nottingham. Everyone else are merchants. And you put what you're selling in a bag that no one knows what's in there. There are goods that are allowed and goods that are... Uh, contraband. contraband contraband and so you have to get past customs which is the sheriff and uh, you basically the sheriff is saying well where you have contraband or no and you can bribe the sheriff you can uh, yeah. uh, you can lie to what's in your bag or try to fool the sheriff and if he opens your bag and you have what you say you have well that's, sheriff owes you money yeah. yeah so it's it's a great little bluffing game and everybody takes turns being the sheriff great game Great game. Yeah. So that's what I did. And then, of course, there's the other geeky thing I did, which... Uh, Person will probably talk yeah. about. We played some D&D. Yep. Oh, okay. Let's open this bag of nuts. <laughs> ah, D&D. I missed you so much. <laughs> who who ran this one? <laughs> I ran this oh, one. Oh, Barry. Was Barry. this the Star Jammer one? No. No. Star no, the Star spell jammer, jammer. And no, I didn't. I didn't run the spell jammer one because I read that adventure and fuck that adventure. But my uh, character comes. Wait, from wait, 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 wait. Your character, what? My character comes what from that. Jam- from that. Okay, Barry, you ran this one. Yes. Yes. I swear to God, you said the last time you talked about D and D, you said I'm not running the next one. He's like, I want to actually be a player next time. I no. don't want to always you, be DM. You, I'm always DM. That was that was with us, his friends. But oh, okay. apparently, there's another friend who can actually make a request of Barry and he'll <laughs> grant it. So. That is absolutely untrue. I generally always the DM, but that's fine. But you also don't want to be the DM sometimes. Okay? Sometimes I don't want to be the DM. Jeff is not wrong in stating that this was a conversation we did have not that long ago. I don't remember this conversation. Yes, because you never remember anything. Well, you I probably, must have had too many candy yes. cigarettes. You you'd, you'd probably had a lot to drink, so you were being honest and forthcoming. And I mean, he'd had a you couple of drinks. It was, at, <laughs> it was at Red Dwarf, so, you know. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> I'm running this game. We've got two goblins and a tiefling and a gnome. And an elf, it, it's a real fucked up party. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And he started us in a freaking human bar in a small town in the middle of nowhere. Just, yeah. in, just in size of ears alone, that's a hell of a party. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and everyone's got dark vision. <laughs> well, that helps. Yeah. Yeah, it does. But anyway, I started a fight because some big ass dumb people. Well, and I'm a, I'm a goblin. And he was like, <laughs> how'd you get in here? And it's great because Kirsten and Lewis are like, oh, you know, we shouldn't we shouldn't kill them. Let's let's negotiate. Oh, please. Let's be reasonable. And then here comes murder hobo time. And just <laughs> it started. Drop kicks him, kills the first guy right away. Just kills him right <laughs> off. When did, who rolled the first nat 20? Me. I, that was I you. Her. Yeah. yeah. Her. I killed him with one kick. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. And yeah, the first roll, the first roll of the campaign. First role of the campaign is her taking on this obnoxious asshole in the bar. I'm going to kick him. And she's a monk, and she rolled a nat 20. And that set the tone. I hope you reimbursed the, the proprietor of we the- did. They did. Okay. We did. Lewis they were did. Very, Lewis did. They were very generous. And honestly, I always wanted the bar fight anyway first because it's like a session zero fight. I was teaching a couple of newer players how to the play. The ones who requested Barry run a game for yes. them. And oh, those that one. Yes. Okay. Yes. So how to play. That's that's 
Yeah. You got to have a Basic fight. Combat. And yeah. it's yeah. actually fucking hilarious because those two noobs chose two of the most difficult yes. classes. Oh. <laughs> Wizard and sorcerer. and sorcerer. Oh. They yeah. have chosen poorly. <laughs> they're doing okay. They're learning. I mean, they've got the the steep learning curve, but I they're mean, doing all right. The so. benefit is I've played a sorcerer for quite a I almost got her to 20, so I played her for years and Lewis has played a wizard. So there's two of us at the table that can help them with how to the mechanics work. And they so. both like fire spells. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. and one can't wait for fireball. Fireball's like that and in reverse gravity, uh. like my two favorite spells. <laughs> that in itself Fireball. is a life quest. I'm going to take you yeah. guys to the woods. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's going to be great. Dude, the elves are going to love you. It was just like, okay, well, we're, you know, I'm, there is a rule that you can, you can, if you get someone down to zero hit points, you can declare that you're not killing them. And so I'm, I knock out one guy. Uh, and actually, that's after I did a stellar intimidation. It was really funny. One of the noobs was just like, I'm going to try to intimidate him. And boink. She just like rolls four oh. or something. And I, for this game, pulled out, uh, Todd, my uh, blue plastic D20 that came in the box way back in the 80s. Yeah. Oh, oh, wow. The original box. Yeah. And so I was like, let's the, give this one a shot. Cause it's, the soap dice. It's, yeah. And it's not, <laughs> they're not properly imprinted. They're no. not, the, the numbers are not the way they're supposed to be. Because dice, for people who don't know dice, the opposite sides of the dice should add up to one more than the number of sides of dice. So a 20-sider, there'll be a 20, and there'll be a 1, adds up to 21. And everything, you know, on a 6-sider, you'll notice that. See a good Vegas-appropriate 6-sider, each opposite side adds up to seven. So this one isn't built like that, right? <laughs> and actually, it's kind of weird. I, I don't know if it's Andy's tower or what, but usually when I roll that puppy, it just boop, 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 and it comes up like a one. It, it really does well, he roll He rolled a low. lot of 20s. I, a lot of 20s I critted an alarming like a number of 20s. mad fool. I was dropping that 20 down to Andy's tower, and it's just, and it rolls on a natural 20, natural 20. Oh. Natural, so it was great. Saved the day a couple times there because yeah. it, uh, it was getting it got a little crazy. It got a little crazy, but it was just this bar fight is just like, oh, I I'm gonna firebolt this guy and, and Barry's like, okay, so another guy goes down. He's in the corner screaming as he burns, and I'm like, this is <laughs> this is a bar. And Lewis fight. and Kirsten's characters are like, <laughs> let's not fight. We're gonna hold our action until I, somebody attacks us. I critted my first crit was an intimidation. And I, I walked up to three guys who were getting ready to throw down, and I spoke to them in deep speech, which is like a far realm language. And I was just like, "Fools, you don't know what you're messing with." And I critted, and they pooped their pants and hid, and hid behind the bar, and <laughs> and then people started dying, and they came out. Yeah, <laughs> I will tell you though that Lenault, after she killed the first guy... Uh, who's Lenault? No one knows. No, Lenault is my goblin. Okay. My goblin monk. Who's how old? 12. And you play her as such. Yes, I do. <laughs> and her and Lewis's character are cousins. They come from the same goblin clan as Splurg. Our oh. wonderful Splurg, which is a goblin from our like original, original Vegas game that we played forever yeah. and age ago. Um, but so she will listen to Lewis and he was very much adamant against killing... So after she killed the first guy accidentally, 
She was trying not to. And then somebody hurt Lewis, and his character got angry, and so he two-sorted him and killed him. <laughs> I don't want to go to your guys' bar. <laughs> that bar is... Well, you know, it's it's not bad. You pluck down a, a gold piece, and they clear out the bodies for you, and everything's cool. So yeah. not a bad place. A few places like that in North Vegas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we still yeah. had to stay there for five days. In that same bar, they let us stay. No, well, I, I, money, I guess, solves everything. Yeah, yeah. The sure. goblins had a bath. Thank goodness. Yeah. Mm. Goblins don't like baths. They like to be dirty. I know. Actually, that was they great suck. manipulation on uh, on uh, one of the on um, uh, Journey's part. Journey's one of the noob characters uh, because she's uh, Lenault. Deb is all like bath. I'm not gonna bathe. And she just popped off. Oh, you'll they'll pay us more money if you bathe. And it was like, wow, that all right, worked. I guess I'll take that a bath. That makes sense. She totally, <laughs> she totally jobbed her and got her. Some to people bathe. I know that could actually might work on. Yeah, yeah. Gotta keep that in mind. Yeah. So if you want to follow along with this, I just set up a new Obsidian portal. Uh, which is a good chronicling system so that you can see the adventure logs and the characters and there's like hyperlinks to like what all the NPCs are and everything. I'm real. I'm, I'm going to do it religiously because I hate going to a game after being away for like a month being, Ugh, what did we do last game? I totally forget. I call that Gloomhaven. Yeah, uh-huh. pretty much. Yeah, uh, and, and it's a two-edged so it, Well, not two-edged. It, it, it's a double problem because one, you got to remember everything and two, if there's enough time and you're remembering everything, that it just feels different. You're not picking up like you would if you had a more thorough recap of the game and right. stuff like that. Kind yeah. of like the last time before this, you know, on a TV show last time. And yeah. they show you clips and so you can remember, oh, that character. Mm-hmm. They're going to have this character in the show this time. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's like a wiki. And I will be sharing that link with you all very shortly. Because uh, yeah. everyone can follow along. Not a big deal. So that's what I did. Jeff, what'd you do? Well, we already talked about Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, If you haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend you go see it out. Um, The other thing I want to talk about is uh, a documentary I watched. Uh, It's unfortunately only available on Apple TV Plus, but uh, it's called Still a Michael J. Fox Movie. And uh, I heard about that. It's really, really good. Fox narrates the the story. Um, it's kind of a blend of scripted reenactments um, using, you know, actors that look similar to him, you know, from like the back or the sides where you can't actually see the face, as well as taking clips from all the different media that he has been in over the years and recreating the uh, the various instances in his non-screen life about uh, things that have happened to him over the uh, the decades, uh, both before and after being diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Oh, did they get Eric Stoltz to do some? That'd be funny. No, they didn't, <laughs> but they did reference him in the, in, you know, reference. Getting, um, getting cast uh, and then not getting the movie and then being able to get into Back to the Future. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, Michael J. Fox was the first choice for Marty McFly the producers of Family Ties at the time, uh, he, or the producer, I should say, of, of Family Ties, didn't even give Michael J. Fox the script that was sent to him by Steven Spielberg. So he wasn't aware at the time that they really, really wanted him for the character of Marty McFly. So Eric Stoltz was cast. 
uh, the producers of Family Ties just would not let him. Uh, they 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 would just give no quarter. They didn't. They wanted even to want to. Yeah, yeah, they didn't even want to work with them to say, hey, you know, you can have him from X hour to X hour. Eventually, they did get something worked out, and he was able to basically shoot Family Ties during the day, get in a car, sleep on the way to the location where wow. Back to the Future was being uh, shot that evening. They would shoot at night until about four in the morning. He would go home, sleep for about an hour, and then be taken to the set of Family Ties. So he was operating on you know, two to four hours of sleep every single day for the three-month stretch that they wow. they shot uh, Back to the Future. But um, it also talks about, you know, a lot of his life growing up in Canada, uh, being the son of a Canadian Army. Um, uh, well, his father was in the Canadian Army, and then after he left the Army, um, you know, was doing the regular nine-to-five thing, and didn't really see acting as a career, even though uh, Fox got bit with the acting bug at a very young age. In fact, I think he started acting when he was about six or seven, if I recall, because they have clips of him from being on Canadian television. And he looks so much younger. And he said that was one of the advantages is that he could be older and play a younger character, especially when he got into his 20s. He was able to easily like, play like teenagers, teenagers yeah. but not be restricted to the uh, uh, the filming the codes hours. at the time yeah. about limited hours and you know the education stuff that goes along with that. But um, and then you know being surprised when he told his father that he really wanted to go to Hollywood and give it a shot, and his father and him drove down from Canada to Hollywood and his father picked up the tab for like the you whole got time. four hours kid make it happen yeah. <laughs> but basically picked up the tab while he went to all these different auditions got all these different bit parts and stuff and until you know the big break with family ties and then you know kind of the rest is history but it's a really fascinating uh, documentary because it doesn't just mix that um, those scene recreations but it also has uh, in addition to Fox narrating, they have one-on-one interviews with him as well as, um, you know, camera fly-on-the-wall type stuff with him and his family where they're discussing different things and the family talking about it. He's like, Dad, we don't think you should do X, Y, or Z because, you know, you're falling, et cetera. And he's like, this is just the way it's going to be, you know. He's like, I, this is this is Parkinson's, you know. I'm going to fall every now and then. I'm going to run into things. I'm going to break an arm or a wrist, you know. It's, it's just... You know, this is a, that's just his life now. But it's a really fascinating deep dive into, you know, his early career all the way up through now. So um, if you have access to Apple TV+, Plus, uh, I know it's free in a lot of um, cell plans right now. But uh, it's also, I think you, get, you can get up to like a three-month free subscription. Um, here and there there's codes all over the internet for this but if you have a chance and you want to check it out i highly recommend it so still a michael j fox movie kirsten cool. anything else besides the D game you want to bring up yeah um i had this really weird dream um, <laughs> okay okay yeah it was bizarre buckle in people because it was like this merging of Ka and 
Star Trek The Experience. Everyone drink. And Ka is the Cirque du Soleil show. Yes, that I, I, I worked at. And um, it was really weird because the um, uh, I was actually in this Ka-like show. It was a martial arts performance show. Although I wasn't, it was me. So it wasn't like I was a great martial artist performing, but rather I was playing uh, a side character that didn't have that kind of... Um, that kind of, but uh, uh, it, it. I also did walk around stuff like uh, Star Trek: The Experience. One drink, and so you had the theater, and behind the theater, you walked immediately. You went right through the door into costuming. And you had to go through this big, giant, crowded costuming thing before you could get to the lockers and the employee area and everything. And for some reason, they didn't allow you to enter. There was no, there was no uh, entrance directly to the outside world from there. Your dream didn't have a good architect. Right. <laughs> it, well, it was, it was almost like it was a uh, Las Vegas casino design. Yeah. Because Don't I, find had, the, can't find the I had to go through a, um, you had to walk through like a mall, uh, kind of like fashion show mall, in that it was very linear, but you would hit uh, these hubs, not fashion show, I think, I mean, forum shops, but you would hit these hubs that would spoke out and you could go to food courts or other shops, and I had to hit this complex pattern. Just to, to get to your locker. Just to get to the <laughs> work. I've had dreams like that. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it might be a Vegas phenomenon thing because it like, I, the dream was I kept making the wrong turn and going down the wrong spoke and I had to go back and the dream was so vivid because it's like I could see the pattern of the shops that I'm passing and I'm like, oh God, I passed this one earlier. This is not the way I'm supposed to go. And at one point, the employee dining area, which was a lot like a college dorm dining area, uh, was something that I would enter and I was like, well, I'm here. I might as well eat. And then I would like eat. And then there would be a problem with food being a mess and stuff. Or I didn't have the money to get the food. And then, well, okay, I better get to work. You and have got to stop eating before bed. <laughs> <Yeah. dude. laughs> and it and it was and and then I would go back. And then everything would not work. Because on top of everything else, you go through this costuming thing. I go through the lockers, but the alien character area is a totally different area, and it's like a storefront. And you, I'm have, waiting to hear. I woke up and I pissed myself. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I never did. And what was? <laughs> I just. You I never woke up? Yeah. This is still yourself. a bad dream. Yes, and I'm going into it's the... It's the podcast you can't ever escape. Yeah, the, the alien character area, and there's this whole bunch of new people. Some of the old people are there. Richard Oden, Mark Weitz. They're there, but there's a bunch of new people, and they're, like intr- they're intruding on my makeup space. This one person was like, oh, I need to... Uh, you know, I need to put my makeup on, and they grab by the fist 
all of my makeup brushes and just picked them up and ran them across this palette and then rubbed it across their face to put on their makeup. And I'm like, those are my brushes. And everyone is just like, oh, Kirsten, quit making such a big fuss over such a little thing. I figured it out, Kirsten. I figured it out. What? I know what your dream is about. While you were sleeping, you stopped breathing, and you got a glimpse of hell. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was. It was hell like that. At one point, I had to go through the... The, the makeup, uh, the, the costuming area to get to my locker. Well, the lockers had been moved and they were now in this library. And so I'm going through the library through all the stacks of books to get to the lockers. And my, my locker has been moved. And I had to find the new locker spot and remember my combination. But I was having a hard time working the lock because they had turned the lockers upside down. <laughs> So my locker, which was on the top, was now on the bottom, and I had to, like, screw around to... Hold on. I can barely remember my dreams, like, five seconds after I wake up. They yeah. quickly fade. Oh, no, fade. I have some dreams that are, like, the, Dude, better this to was, This is a side effect of my anti-anxiety medication. You have vivid well, dreams. Sometimes vivid it, dreams. It also, um, when you have trauma in your life, those ten the dreams that follow up that trauma tend to be a lot more vivid and they stick with you yeah because well that's the next that's, part that's because that's, that's what i was gonna say a lot of what you're telling me sounds like somebody who has recent trauma mm -hmm. and you know and i know that well, we do and and a lot of what it is sounds like um dealing with grief and change well, and your and, brain is trying yeah. to yeah. yes like, yeah. well Jeff, it's its own way of Processing. Well, he was I, recently in a bar where a goblin kicked a guy to death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I woke up and it was incredibly disturbing. I I must. It's it's disturbing. Whatever. <laughs> Kit woke, up. woke me up. I'm awake. I'm the world's problem now. Kit was sitting on me and he was just like meow 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 meow. He must and have been like thrashing. Or he's something. like pressing my face. He's what brought you back. Got you breathing again. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And he woke me up. So I was just and I was shaken up for the rest of the day. That dream disturbed me so because nothing worked. I could do nothing right, and the situations I was in, nothing worked. I didn't even talk about trying to do the, the car-like show and the choreography and everything was a shit show and didn't work. But it was nothing worked, and I was just terribly shaken up. I go downstairs, and I open up Facebook and just on a whim for the first time in months I'm like eh, well, what the fuck I clicked Facebook memories and up comes a post I did exactly one year ago about a dream where I could not escape from it because I literally woke up and then would go back to sleep and go right dream. back into the dream I did that last night it drove me nuts and it was that dream exactly one year ago I had had the same dream in the same setting with the same problems. Were Except you eating that the one. same dish <laughs> for dinner. Well, so but, for me, like when I'm super stressed, mostly with work usually, I always have the same dream and it's always I'm a food server. Always. Oh god. And Trauma. I am the only go. one there. Yeah. I'm and sure. they just keep seating tables. And like the next thing I know, I try to go get the drink order and the food order and then 10 tables have been sat and like I never get this order in because I'm just trying to get to table after table and it's always the same dream and it's either at Trek 
or at Lone Star, the mm. two restaurants that I like worked at in sure, Vegas. Yeah. It's I always it, those two. I call it Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, every time I'm super stressed, that is the dream I have. Yeah. Every time. And it, 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 but it was, it was really weird when I opened up that memory and I'm reading that and I vague posted. I didn't describe the dream. I just talked about, I had a nightmare that I couldn't escape from. I went right back to sleep and went right back into the nightmare and I did it like three or four times. And I was like, oh my God, I remember that night and this was the dream I was not able to escape from. And it, it just was totally freaky that, and, and it was really funny because uh, I forget who it was, but one of the Star Trek friends actually commented, all right, well, now you know, next uh, year on May May something or other, you don't go to sleep. Because <laughs> it, it was just weird, but it was so weird. And I just, God almighty, I can't tell you how disturbed I was because nobody gave a flying fuck that nothing was working, but... Everybody was pointing out that I was fucking up, and that was a big problem. <laughs> it drove me fucking like a nuts. Great allegory for a country. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Well, dude, it was it was just it was so weird. So, so there was that. Rest assured, Kirsten, if you're fucking up, I'll tell you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well speaking of Barry telling me what, just just yes, before we uh, move on, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I I love that. During this segment, everyone's saying what geeky thing they did this week, but Kirsten uses it for self-care and therapy. And I kind of <laughs> like that. Well, yeah. it is still uh, Mental Health Month. So. Yeah, it is. Okay. It is. Yeah, there it you is. go. I'm going to squeeze in my chance because you, you guys denied it last week. <laughs> so, um, well, you know what? It's great. I think Deb needs to go out of town more often because when she does, yep. I get a phone call. Oh, no. What are you doing? <laughs> Well, come I'll, on over. I don't, I don't sound like that. Come on over. I don't sound like come that. That's not how I thought. I'll make some. I'll make some dinner. We'll watch some movies. We'll play some games. I don't, don't like that. What he make? So, pasta. Uh, pasta. Oh, yeah. He made some pasta. So it was very good. Um, so you 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 said fine. I'll entertain you. You went to Barry. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. Barry doesn't like to be alone. Yeah, he was just. I get you know, bored. Very I'm going easily. crazy. I'm going crazy. I'm bored. I'm bored. <laughs> so I was like, all right. I, I went over, and it was really funny because um, uh, we ended up doing a clockwork Kirsten. Oh, yeah. So I what ended you guys up. Watch? Uh, we watched the Tomorrow War, which oh, I you'd had never not seen, seen that. I'd never seen See? it. Wait, wait, clockwork wait. Kirsten. Which one's the Tomorrow War? It's so the one with Tom Chris Pratt. Pratt. Chris Pratt. Oh, that one. Yeah, not Tom Cruise. Chris no, no, yeah. yeah. Chris, oh, Chris Pratt. I think it was a Amazon movie uh, or a Netflix movie. Netflix. Science fiction movie. Yes. 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 Okay. It's such a generic name. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get shot like into the future. Right. Yeah. And, and they are the... And they're fighting uh, resident evil creatures. Yeah. Yes, because like the human race has been all obliterated, so they're yeah. going back to the past it's to get people to help them fight. Yeah. Yes. It's a neat, neat idea. I, I, people I remember with no enjoying future. That. I remember right. enjoying that movie it and was it was a fun shoot 'em up yeah, as as yeah, Barry yeah. Barry pointed Remember, out. Remember it so. didn't quite stick the ending, but other than that it was good. Yeah, no. Yeah. So it was just like, oh, okay, so I've seen Tomorrow War. So that was cool. Right. JK Simmons is jacked in that he film. Was. He was a, <laughs> a muscle head. He was a monster. It was really weird. So um and then uh we watched Attack the Block. 
Oh, I like Attack the Block. Because I hadn't watched that. I've never heard of that. That's a great uh, movie. Yeah. That's a, that was one that kind eh, I mean, sort of pre-Star Wars kind of gave Mark Finn his... Uh, John Boyega's Finn? in that, isn't No, John he? Boyega. John Boyega. Who the hell's Mark Finn? Mark Finn's something John totally. Boyega? I'm talking about Finn. <laughs> Although I like that Finn. That's funny. Finn from Finn. <laughs> John Boyega. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> Your name is now Mark yeah. Finn. Like, so... John Boyega. You know who else is in that? Uh, Jody Whittaker. Yes. Oh. Yeah. yeah. That, and uh, also Nick Frost. Yes. yes. Did I get that name right? Yes, Alien invasion did. movie. Yeah. Where aliens come down and attacks a uh, a housing project in yes in London. Yeah. yeah. There you go. You you pretty much said it. There's yeah. All right. So I watched that movie. Enjoyed that. That was cool. Um, and then we watched Knights of Bad Astem. Eh, okay. It's yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It has its yeah. moments. It yeah. really does. Yeah. It's, a, it's a fun little indie thing. Yeah. I mean, it's not, not indie quality like uh, Attack the Block was. And, of course, Tomorrow War was not. So, But it was fun, it was fun seeing uh, uh, Peter Dinklage. What? And Summer Glau, right? Wait, wait a second. What, what's wrong? You, you said this was clock... Clockwork Cursed. Yes. So you have not seen these movies before. No, I had not. Barry, have you seen these movies before? Yes. I Why th- will you rewatch <laughs> fucking movies with Kirsten and not me? Fuck you. I will rewatch movies with you. <laughs> but it's movies you haven't seen is the ones that I That you I w- want me to see and half of those I don't give a shit to see. So that's why we don't watch these fucking films. <laughs> But you won't watch a new movie with me that neither one of us has seen. Not if it sucks. Oh, my God. You don't even know if it sucks. Pick a movie. Is it is it like uh, Pride and Prejudice? Is there like medieval bullshit? Is, is it... Uh, I just want to point out... Are there old out, English people dancing? I just want to point is out... Is there crying? Tor- Torgo did that intentionally. I know And you did. both bit on it. Fuck like you, a Torgo! Fucking bass. Well, because I did, didn't... He said it and I was like, oh, yeah, what the fuck? Like a big mouth fucking bass. You both chomped on that bait and won't let go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is why I smoke candies. Oh, God. <laughs> By the way, uh, during that night, at one point, Barry did actually pull out the candy. Oh, cigarette, God. And he sat there with a pack and he's like, and I just eye roll and he's like, <laughs> so I, I, I cave. I sagged in defeat, and I held out my hand, and he's like, uh-huh, yeah, and he put the pack in my hand, and I was like, yeah, and then I crushed the, crap I out crushed of it. the fucking life out of that box, <laughs> and he was just like, motherfucker, crush your enemies, yeah. and he was like, you're lucky I've got a whole you. closet full of them. It's spoken like a true addict. Yeah. I quit anytime I want. Yeah. I believe you. So, so Yeah. That was uh, that was pretty much how that went. Okay, yeah. so uh, give a uh, out of five stars. Uh-huh. Uh, World of Tomorrow. No. Tomorrow War. Tomorrow, tomorrow War. war. <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> no, you're thinking about Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Am I? I don't know. <laughs> Shitty film that was. <laughs> or or Edge of Tomorrow. Um, Live Die. You know, I like that. That film. was a That's good movie. Good. You need to yeah. leave the word tomorrow out of your movie titles. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Day oh, after tomorrow. Just stop it. I know Edge one. of Tomorrow. It, yeah, the original, the too. original manga is uh, all you need is kill. I right. think that's a great. That's title. memorable. They, yeah, they didn't think it would work for American audiences, so yeah. they tried. So something they else, they but... worked something that didn't work yeah. for American <laughs> audiences and had Three to do live, ways. die, repeat, and um, yeah, it's no live, die, repeat. I live, die, repeat was really that was a good. great movie. It was it a was great movie. Really good. I yeah. was. 
I haven't enjoyed a Tom Cruise movie uh, like that in a while, and I was really, really pleased with it. Tomorrow War, I had three five, okay. three yeah. seven. Five. Attack the Block, how many stars? Uh, that I'm gonna give a, a strong four. All right, you know yeah. because it's it's an indie movie, so there are some elements of it. But at the same time, you know, a well made indie movie, uh, any kind of budgetary shortcomings almost become uh, charming, you know, endearing. For the movie and this, so this movie there was there was really nothing wrong with that. I I really did enjoy it. And what's I mean, the third movie? What's the, final? the third movie? Knights of Badass. Mad, uh, how many stars? Uh, that I will give four because of its heart. Oh, okay. LARPing, yeah. right? LARPing it, movie. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I mean, yeah. first of all, that was funny as hell. You know, uh, you got. Um, there's one guy I don't remember. I don't know his name, but he's been in a few. A few comedy movies, and he's actually he plays a lot of assholes. Yeah, in comedies, and he's he's in there. He's good. Steve Zahn, he's in there kicking ass. Summer and, Glau, you know, Summer Glau, and she's she's being Summer Glau. She's being what she's Summer Glau for. I don't mean that as a slight on Agnes. I mean that's that's an that's an asset, you know. And uh, then of course Dinklage, and even the 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 main character guy. We've seen him. In other things as well, so um, which is always you know one of those one of oh, those. Oh, uh, he was uh, Sookie's brother in Ryan True Blood. Quentin. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then Steve's on. Yeah. So or Zane, however you say it. Love um, Steve's on. And uh, yeah, so I I like the heart of it. I love poking fun at uh, at LARPing the whole thing, and and it's that kind of commercial LARPing too, because it's not just people getting there this is this is they they kind of have plans to make a an ongoing larp situation and then things go terribly wrong and you know it kind of lovecraftian todd you would you, and, and i like to do a point you know so i enjoyed that i did enjoy okay. that so i will give it a i'll give it a uh, an indie four an indie let's let's create four. a new category because God knows we don't have enough. And how many stars would you give Meet the Feebles? Uh, there we go. I would give Meet the Feebles question mark stars because I've never seen it. Ah, we can fix that. We no, can we can't. White. No, that's oh, broken. Yes. That's it's time for Clockwork, gonna... Torgo. Oh, yeah, God. I can't oh, wait. Oh, God. Uh, last night I finished my viewing of Meet the Feebles, Peter Jackson's second film after Bad Taste before he did Dead Alive. Made on a budget of seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars and made eighty thousand dollars in the box office. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're unfamiliar with Meet the Feebles, uh, take the Muppet Show, turn it into a movie about the Muppet Show, but all of the innocence that you enjoy of the Muppets and the comedy from that, all the comedy in this is from the depravity of these puppets. They built a slew of puppets for this and the puppetry is actually fairly well done i thought you would appreciate the puppetry i mean it's it's not oh the magic of jim henson but it's still it conveys character quite well is uh the story is there is none um uh, it's backstage antics of people who have no morals there's like one people puppets that have no morals uh, there's one puppet that has moral, the hero of, of the picture, for lack of a better word. Um, however, it, it 
It was originally conceived as a television show, and when they got Ugh. funding for a movie, they just hastily took those ideas and just made a single movie out of it. Um, uh, there are hand puppets all the way to full giant body puppets. Uh, there is nudity. There is violence. Lots of gore. Lots of childish humor. Um, it if you are if you are a fan of the low budget charm, maybe you would like this, Kirsten. It's uh-huh. yeah, uh huh. Yeah, nice try. Is it good? No, not at all. So but why did they get on the list? But is it great? Is it great? <laughs> Definitely not. Do you not understand the word good, what that means? But is it amazing? It's amazing that it happened. <laughs> and it's also amazing that it is part of the journey that is... Filmmaking? No, the director. Peter Jackson. That's <laughs> the most amazing part. Peter Jackson, the guy whose first three movies are... First Bombs. off, first two are kind of awful, and the third one is fun only because it's so over the top. It's not a great movie. It's just so gory. It's funny. And then he started becoming more of a uh, mainstream filmmaker with The Frighteners, and then he did a... I a, love The Frighteners. A, a non-genre picture. I can't remember Didn't he do the, Kong as well? Uh, later on. Yeah, after, later. After lovely after Bones. Bones. Lovely, uh, not Lovely Bones, but something no. along those lines. Bones and... Bones, yeah, bones, bones and, and love. No, that's Meet the Feebles. Oh. Um, bone Mother, but but Meet the Feebles is full of uh, red bone, uh, drug, uh, drug sales gone wrong. Uh, one puppet's nose blows up because he snorts uh, borax, thinking oh. that it's cocaine. Oh yeah, don't do that. Uh, their knife thrower has a heroin addiction. Uh, their lead star, their bunny, gets a STD from an orgy and starts to die from it. Oh wow. It's Sounds just like a, a family movie right there. Oh, yeah. It, uh, it is. It is about as depraved as you could expect. And hence, it's notorious. Uh, uh, Jeff was recounting a story before we began about how he could never find it at the movie rental place that had it. The one and only that yep. had it. And that's because it has a new, It's what it is. And I mean, now in the time of YouTube, it wouldn't be so hard to find something like this. Right. Someone out there making it going, hey, what if we made Dirty Muppets? But 1989, this was unheard of. And this was a movie, 96 minutes worth of the movie. awful Muppet show. Heavenly Creatures was the... Heavenly Creatures, thank you. That's the movie after the Frighteners. Yeah. Uh, uh, derail my thought. Um, I'm sorry. Peter Jackson. <laughs> Peter yeah, Jackson, yeah. Yeah, but, 89, uh, Dirty Muppets. It's a musical. It has musical numbers. Uh, it has a song about sodomy. It's... Wow. It's one of those films, I can see, Monkeys, why you voted this in. It's not something you have to see, but it's also something that if you want to just kind of hit the brakes on your life for a moment and go, okay, wow, that happened and somebody funded it and it really did get released. Wow. I like how you're giving that a little dignity as opposed to it was just an act of sadism <laughs> imposed upon you. From the director of Lord of the Rings. Right, and that's not even on there. Peter Jackson rarely mentions this. He's, he's, he, he, I think in an Oscar, Oscar acceptance speech or one of his awards, he mentioned that the fact that I see that the, uh, the voters overlooked my earlier work but uh, yeah. really that's really always mentioned it i un i believe that one of the muppet 
later Muppet TV shows actually rep, uh, with like Peter Jackson in it uh, does mention the Feebles in it. Oh boy! So like when he was on like Sesame Street or something? No, or? not definitely not Sesame Street. Okay. Um, no, but it was, was definitely the, it was one of the was, new Disney Muppet shows. Yeah, well, <gasps> yeah, they had the. You know what that means? That means that in the Muppet Cinematic Universe, yeah. the Feebles exist in an alternate. Oh, see. I like the shared universes. Oh, my God. Uh, so, wow. out of a score of 100, the percentile score, I will give this movie 12? 42. Wow. Uh, is it a worthwhile watch? If you're looking for entertainment, depends on your definition of that word. <laughs> if you're looking for a compelling story, no, none to find here. Go move somewhere else. However, if you are looking for... Hmm, I think I would like to see puppets with juvenile humor and lots of gross scenes. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, gross. This, yeah, this is kind of the uh, the faces of death of puppetry. It, it really is bizarre for bizarre's sake. I mean, there's there's no rhyme or reason to a lot of the things that happen in that film. But the characters are well thought out. Yeah, everyone's story arc makes sense. You can see where this was being conceived as a television show with multiple story arcs going forward, and then they just condensed it down. There is a lot of thought put into character and puppet design, and some pretty impressive puppets. There's some puppets that are like, oh, that, that's shit, but quite a few of them are like the, uh, the worm, for example. That's an amazing puppet. Uh, the hippo is an amazing puppet. The walrus is an amazing puppet. What? The rat, awful, awful puppet. Awful. But Terrible. it's also supposed to be an awful character, so it kind of makes sense. This was the most thought-out piece of shit I've seen in the world. <laughs> there you go. That's a blurb. Hey, there were many reasons why I voted for this film for you, okay? None of which were compelling story. But the, the puppets, the development, the grossness, the, there's a song about sodomy. Like, you know, <laughs> My wife came in in the last uh, quarter of it. Oh, and and just like stood behind the couch and watched. And she was like, this isn't good, but I can't take my eyes away. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that train wreck that you just like you can't help but watch because. But that's a train wreck is not because the train wreck, you're, you're enjoying the car, the carnage of it. You're enjoying the like, oh, my God, this is happening. Yeah, I guess that's 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 part of it. Is it is it just because this is my personal thought? I was like, I always felt like it had such potential that just wasn't realized because they didn't put just that extra little bit of thought into it mm. as as making it a through line, uh, story wise, or you know some kind of way to connect all the scenes because all the scenes just seemed to have so randomly jumbled together. They were, and again, I don't think the st through storyline was the point. The point was saying. How nasty can we make these? Because I've seen bad taste. I don't recommend it. It's nah, it's not good. It's it's it's, it's a bad movie, uh, and it's his first movie. Great, and this guy would later go on to make Lord of the Rings, and it's the same kind of trajectory as James Gunn started at trauma, and then went on to create some of the best genre pictures of their kind, uh, because it had. He had the right kind of character heart. And you can kind of see that a little bit in this. And that's <laughs> weird, but it's true that these are characters that they were excited to tell stories about. 
it, that all makes sense in some way. It's it's weird. But anyway, that's my experience with Meet the Feebles. That's Clockwork Torgo. Uh, nominations are open for the next film, and they're Clue. already coming in. Clue. Clue. Uh, well, Clue. here's Clue. the thing. There's there's some high contenders with it, because now throw, so I haven't seen Risky Business. That's being thrown in there now. You can do that one later. You need to do Clue first. <laughs> Clue. All Clue. <laughs> Uh, so Kofi members uh, have at uh, although uh, thank you for filling this I'm not sure it was a necessary need that was filled in my movie background but I'm glad it's there I'm glad it's there well there you go um, I wanted to say also thank you to uh, uh, Microscope because he uh, he actually came into town for uh, uh, and actually an ICS thing that they were doing uh, this was a long time ago and he left me a gift at Alternate Reality Comics. And it has been so long that I hadn't been there that I actually went finally just the other week. And there was a gift card there. And I could actually, I caught up on my nights at the dinner table. I was actually three months behind. Ooh. So it was, it was a long time since I was there. And speaking of reading material, I also uh, sent you something, Todd. You did. I actually have been reading a collection of short stories called uh, Sorcery Against Caesar. And it's the Simon of Gita stories by Richard L. Turney, a, a sword and sorcery, a fantasy author who just recently passed away, actually. And I was really captivated. Uh, I mean, everybody on the Sword and Sorcery Discord I'm a part of, everybody talked about Turney's work. And I finally just like went ahead and got this and opened it up. And I was really, really fascinated because, first of all, it's fantasy in Roman era. So, yay, none of that Ren Faire, Maloney uh, type stuff. And also, this guy, um, there is a, I don't know if he's an editor or if he's just a consultant. In doing comments and forwarding, a gentleman named uh, Richard Price, Robert Price, Robert Price, who talked about some of what the genesis of this story was. And Tierney is taking a lot from early Christianity, Gnosticism, as well as Old Testament stuff. So um, and and he's incorporating characters like Simon Magus because basically um, Simon of Gita is Simon Magus, and so uh, the character uh, the characters are Samaritans, which is not the term as we're familiar with it, but rather the uh, a sect of Christianity, um, and and he he uh, all of that. And he throws in Lovecraftian magic in behind it. So it's actually really, really fascinating and interesting. And the commentary, as Robert Price breaks down what uh, Tyranny was doing, uh, is uh, as fascinating as the stories. And that was one of the reasons why I, I sent you the story, the, the collection um, Todd was because I just I thought that alone is worth the price of admission. Thank you, because yeah. I love that stuff. Yeah, I, I oh. like to know the writer's idea behind the yeah. The and story. just it just he, it's like the guy's grabbing Gnosticism for fuck's sake, and and like applying it like it's real. So the material world, 
the New Testament God is actually an evil being, and the Demiurge is the one who created all that. And so the divine spark within you it, it, that helps you transcend that is in there fighting that, and he makes that as a Lovecraftian tie-in, which just like really, you know, brings a lot of it all together and it's just really fascinating the first story he fights in a gladiatorial arena and this mystic gives him the sword of spartacus so it's the sword that spartacus was using during his rebellion which means it's probably imbued with a shit ton of power yeah. bingo it's like he's filled with a ton of rage and shit like yep. that it's when like warehouse did. 13 yeah i love and, and nobody who's seen that show but i love that show and the big premise i loved I've about it, it is that objects get infused yes. with magic or things because of essence of the the possessor in some cases right because of what happened when yeah. they were holding it or mm -hmm. you know some pivotal moment in their life and then i love that theory yes that like things just get infused with energy from a specific moment in time because something ridiculous right. or tragic or whatever happens and it that's awesome i, I liked it I, better when it's called friday the 13th the series oh my god <laughs> warehouse 13 oh. Warehouse but, 13 but did it way it, better than I like I that disagree. too, Deb, because one of the things like in Dungeons and Dragons, they're very particular about how magic items are created, and it's almost always like they're manufactured right. with intent and planning and blah. And, you know, the, the whole idea that like maybe you could be fighting a dragon and for some weird reason when you're done with that fight, your sword now becomes a dragon-slaying sword, you know, for some reason, or, or some old hero sword. He And this one, the, the sword of Spartacus, he dies, right? Spartacus loses, right. and it's he's done. But the sword, which actually the mystic had to track down in Parthia um, and bring it back to Rome, it's still imbued with his rage, with his anger. And and it, it was actually a really interesting concept. So I've, I've actually enjoyed the hell out of reading those stories. But I thought that, I was, I was, I thought you'd be interested, Todd. So. I am. And it was, you know, four bucks on Kindle. So oh, okay. that's the nice thing about Kindle. When you get those cheap books, you can, you can just do them. Yeah, give them a shot. <sighs> so anyway, that was the other thing I wanted to bring up. But yeah. All right. Deb, what time is it? News you don't give a shit about. Uh, yeah. No. Yay. No. <laughs> <laughs> News you don't give a shit about. This past Saturday, the Cannes Film Festival jury unveiled the winners of this year's festival, including the 2023 Palme d'Or, but for Cannes Festival regulars and animal lovers everywhere, the true highlight of any croissette visit is the Palm Dog, the unofficial award show celebrating canine performances across the festival's official selection <laughs> that, that and various turn. sidebars. <laughs> yes. Wow. wow. This year's top prize went to Messi, the Border Collie, who plays Snoop in Justin Triad's Anatomy of a Fall, with the jury <laughs> praising a doggy performance that covers the gambit, one of the best we've gambit. ever seen. Gambit. 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 G-A-M-U-T. G-A-M-B-I-T. What the? That's uh, whatever. <laughs> Triad said the character Snoop was not just another character or some animal running around, but as much a part of the film's ensemble as any of the other actors. Just like Lassie. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The dog's a method actor. No, that, that yell, old yeller, that's the method actor. <laughs> what used to be an inside joke has become, in its 22nd year, a Cane's, a Cannes institution. Cane's. Cane's is right. Yes. Cane's institution. Uh-huh. This year's Palm Dog Gala. Is it Gala, Palm Dog? 
Is that is there an apostrophe? No. No? Mm-mm. Should be. It was held at Long Beach Restaurant Friday afternoon and was packed was a packed affair complete with corporate sponsors with multiple camera crews attending as well as several canine celebrities. The Palm Dog oh, is Oh, the- I need wait, to know wait, the wait, guest. Yeah, list. Yeah, is it like Spuds McKenzie the 5th or, or what? No. Alex what are ta- what are canine celebrities? Um, well, it had some in here that I did not recognize any of their names. <laughs> and so you I would have recognized them out. before any of us. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> the Palm Dog is the mutt gala of movie dog shows, noting the Guardian film critic Peter Bradshaw, although he suggested the Met Gala is not as exciting, not as interesting, not as glamorous, and frankly, not as important as the Palm Dog. In terms of canine performances, oh boy. This year's Canes lineup was the most competitive, forced to show, or sorry, forced to choose between a veritable tsunami of dog performances on screen. A tsunami, a tsunami of dogs. Tsunami. <laughs> that that's like a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Sharknado. Yes. Um, dog tsunami. Oh my god. <laughs> it's going to be the next film from uh Dognami. Oh, Asylum? The, yes, thank you. <laughs> the judges created Three new categories this year. The oh, Mutt yay. Moment for Best Dog Cameo, Mutt which went moment. to a four-legged walk-on performance in Alice Rowwalker's La Chimera, a highly commended canine award for the hound Susie in Stefan Castang's Vincent Must Die, and a Lifetime Achievement Award for British director Ken Loke for celebrating the bond between human and animals and for canines in particular. I agree with all three of these choices, 100%. Those were tour de force. It, it, they were Stanislavski all the way. Uh. Alma the Mutt, who plays Chaplin in Aki Karam's Maki's. Uh, I can't even say that. <laughs> You're just saying syllables now. <laughs> Fallen Leaves lapped up the grand jury prize with the film's human stars, Alma Post. Hoisty and so that's easy, juicy Vatanen <laughs> on hand to accept the honorary dog collar. I love Torgo sitting over here like, revenge! <laughs> Finally my day! Now you lost, I lost where I was. Okay. In the spirit of Aki Kaurismaki, there is not much to say, noted Poisty, choosing to go. <laughs> it's like reading a Dr. O novel. What the fuck? <laughs> It's P O umlaut Y S T I. Hold on. P O umlaut Y S T I. Poisty. 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 That's why I said that. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling poisty. Anyway, yeah, so that happened. Okay. Cans. Do they have. Like a, like a video of this where there's there like five dogs oh, that probably. are nominated for the award. I didn't and look it up on YouTube. And then when one but... gets one, it just like, it wags its tail and the other ones just poop where they are. Well, <laughs> what I want to know is if there's a dog festival, why can't they have a cat or a horse one? I mean. Oh, it's opened up Wild now. animals oh, in yeah. general. Well, there's so many trained animals on in film. film. If you do that, then you're going to have the palm shat. <laughs> I mean, do you. Palm really- shat. Do you really want that? Or no. the war? Because they're just all going to kill each other and fight and stuff? The cats, well, maybe. No. <laughs> News you don't give a shit about, but Deb and the Geek Shock Minecraft community probably do. Oh. oh. Minecraft's Trails and Tales update arrives June 7th. So ah. For those who haven't been playing in a while, um, they are coming out with yet another update. And this one has the famous archaeology update in it. 
that was supposed to roll out when they did the big mines update and they pushed it off. So what's the mar- what happens in the archaeology update? So <clears throat> Minecraft, which is now it's been out 12 years and this is um this is release 1.20. They are bringing a bunch of new content um including the sniffer, which is the winner. So every year Mojang does I thought, I thought we left the dog thing behind. <laughs> It's all connected. It is all connected. So every year, Mojang um, does a vote of the community, and they introduce three choices of new creatures that they will bring into the world of Minecraft. And people get to vote on which one ends up getting picked. And the Sniffer was the one that won in 2022. The Sniffer. Yes. So they are hatched from eggs, and they um, once they're little little ones, they're called Snifflets, and they grow into Sniffers, and then they help players find ancient seeds that you are used to grow torch flowers and pitcher plants, which are also new things to the game. Um, there is a video that goes along with this article. I w- anybody who has ever played Minecraft or is interested at all, it's I would watch it because it shows you what all of these blocks look like and all, what all of the biomes, the new biome looks like. Um, in archaeology, so players looking for something new to do will find um, suspicious new suspicious sand and gravel in desert temples, ocean ruins, mm. as well as trail ruins, which is a new structure that players can find in cold biomes, so like mountain, snowy, capped mountain areas. Using archaeology brushes, players will be able to carefully uncover tools, bones, sniffer eggs, and pottery shards. Players can then assemble these shards to make pottery with a variety of patterns. And while you can always... There's also a new um, rideable mob, a camel. So they've come out with a camel. Camels can hold up to two people. And when you're on a camel, um, mobs can't touch you. So you actually oh. like are safe if you're on the back of a camel because a ground mob can't touch you. Can, um, can creepers still blow you up? Probably. Oh, okay. Yes. Can I still shoot you from the sky with a bow and arrow? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and then they've also created cherry groves. So there's a new tree. Uh, grows in a different biome, but the cool thing about this is they actually have built in an effect where the the cherry blossoms fall and drop, and so they litter the ground. So you will see the leaves actually on the ground, which in normal Minecraft you don't see. So um, they, especially when you take them off the trees, they just fall and disappear, or they leave twigs and apples, and that's like all you get. Or um, as one gets from leaves, saplings. Yeah. So anyway, so all of these are coming out June seventh. And they also are going to be on June 7th releasing a compatible Chromebook version of Minecraft, which will play on Bedrock, which I think is really cool because I actually have, I'm using a Chromebook right now. I use it for like my, my Geek Shock notes and I also use it for D&D and like just um, easy things that I need to just track and use the internet and stuff. But can I play Minecraft on an old Nokia flip phone? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> but anyway... I think all these things sound really cool. I have been wanting to get back. On a Casio watch. Shut it. I have been wanting to get back into Minecraft for a while, but my computer, my main computer is kind of toasted. It's old. Okay. And um, it's it's actually, it's interesting. It's an old um, Razer. And it. I got the big 17-inch, and I've had to have it on one of those like fan things for years because it gets so overheated so quickly. And because of that, it has started splitting. So like oh. the seam on the laptop that keeps all of the components nice and tight and not dirty has started opening and I can't close it again. So it's just, it's dying. So, so that, dying. I, I guess the question I have with the Minecraft thing is usually when they add all these new things and it adds things to it, uh, if you have an established world like we have on our right. server, yes. to get those things, you would have to reset the server. Or no. So 
They will pop up on an established server, but they will only show up in undiscovered areas. Right. So you either have to reset the server, which deletes everything that exists. Or go way out. Or go way out. Yeah. Okay. Those are your choices. But Diggs has been building volume <sighs> two of um, Decked Out. Decked out yeah, so we can't, we can't reset the server. No, absolutely not. I am really looking forward to playing that. I am very excited. That's to going that. to be... Like a year from now, I know because Tango, he's he's following as Tango Tech is building it on his, and he's posting everything, and so Diggs is building it too, and I know it's it's huge. It has multi, like he has expanded how the game works to a complexity level that's obscene. Like building it's, this in a game is. I ridiculous. guarantee you, he hasn't even built it the way uh, Tango has because there are specific plugins that they have that we do not. So. And he hasn't contacted me about it. And maybe, you know, I, I, I'm happy to add him, do whatever he wants. But it's a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. But anyway, so Minecraft, for those of you who are interested, I would love to start playing again. And so this was interesting to me. Cherry I have to I have to admit it. Uh, it, it does put a little uh, little bait out there for me. That's, yeah. Uh oh. Yeah. So. Well, because you haven't really played since the Caverns update came out, have you? I, I played since then. I. I established my new base when the caverns came out because I've been fucking dealing with it ever since. So I, I built my home on a cavern and it sucks. <laughs> I am interested to play if Torgo plays so that I can have someone to torture with giant machines that I build. <laughs> Massive world crushing industry. I'm not interested in cherry blossoms and archaeology. I'm interested dumb. in building machines to crush him and his entire existence. I am oh. interested in those truffle pigs they're adding. Oh god, of course you are. I'm I sniffers. Yes. I, I was interested in the it was you, Todd, right? You set up the the poison things that Barry couldn't find and he was looking for them and then he'd get poisoned and he couldn't figure oh, yeah, out yeah. why he was getting poisoned. Yeah, when I was hiding the, pu the puffer fish. The puffer yes. fish. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, you still up there on Torgocraft if you want to revisit that <laughs> that little adventure. <sighs> oh, the days of pandemic. <laughs> Prank wars. That's all it was. It was great. I do to be honest, I do miss like I don't know. It was nice to have a project and to log into a game and be able to like play yeah. for hours and design things. And it was nice having that time. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Was. Time. Ugh. Yes. Well, now that we're trying to save money, you know, so we can buy a backyard, we have time that mm -hmm. we can be at home. And we don't have a money. backyard. Uh, when you walk out out of our, uh, our out of our backyard and step off the porch, you just fall into a void. Oh yeah, yes. I stay away from your your porch yeah. for that reason. Yeah, it hasn't it, loaded yet. So yeah, oh, yeah. You're I just stuck down there. It's like a like a bug in a th open world third person game. Yep. Yes. Yep. That's how it works. No. <laughs> Damn. Anything else? That's it. <laughs> then let's do some wicked geek. Finally. Whatever. <laughs> okay. What dogs want awards? <laughs> Funny, you should ask. Oh Christ. Nah. Uh, well, here, here's you know what, and I I need to put this uh, going forward for all. We can geek news, frankly, any news going forward. Um, one, first of all, I want to put out there that I am 100% behind the writer's strike. May they strike as long as they yes, need to to absolutely. get what they deserve. Absolutely. So fine with that. Now, a lot of this stuff is announcements that have come along the ways over the past couple weeks and so on. Grain of salt with some of this because production is stopping for things left and right. Yep. So 
we may never see these things, but the announcements have happened, so technically they're news. And I want to make sure that Hollywood knows that should they need scabs, I am happy to recreate movies in sock puppet form for them. And uh, I also want to put Hollywood out there that if Barry scabs for you, I will gladly punch him in the face. But sock puppets. I will, yeah. I'll, I'll leave the sock puppets alone. <clears throat> they, they're they just trying to earn a living. Well, Barry, it, on the other hand. It's a new, well, they're not union sock I puppets. Think, I think it's great uh, merch because we could, we could create the, their Barry's sock puppets so we could create the Beebles. And, and okay. we could the market the Beebles. Just little... Little, yeah, and they're sock puppets, and they go on your hand, right? And right. so it's Barry's hand. So across their foreheads is love, and hate, and you know they can like have uh, uh, brass knuckles for mouths. I don't know where you're going with this. <laughs> I don't either. I'm like, I was waiting for you guys to stop me. No, no, <laughs> nobody stopped me. Just go dig that hole, man. <laughs> they're not all good people. It looks like. <laughs> Netflix is currently in production on a Witcher spin-off series. And, oh, yeah, I saw that. And uh, the Expendables and Rocky IV actor Dolph Lundgren is in the cast. Ooh. The news came from Lundgren himself, and he says that he's currently shooting the project in South Africa. As for what the spin-off could be, the, a previous report suggested it could be for The Rats. Uh, for those of you not familiar in the novels, the rats are an infamous group of young Nilfgaardian misfit criminals who targeted the rich and wealthy. The rich are featured in series storyline as she joins them for a period of time. According to Redanian Intelligence, that's a site. Uh, the show will revolve around, quote, six teenage thieves who must rely on their criminal skills as they plan the biggest heist of their careers against the most dangerous crime ring in the kingdom, unquote. Uh, the Ratch will feature in The Witcher Season 3, Episode 7 and 8. That's when Siri meets them. Uh, they are meant to be featured in more of Season 4 of The Witcher, but between Seasons 3 and 4, the spinoff will be released. Uh, one member of The Rats, that's uh, Christelle Elwin's, Elwin's Missile, is uh, confirmed to appear in Witcher Season 3. Uh, and Witcher Season 3 is launching in two parts later this summer, Volume 1, June 29th, and Volume 2, July 27th. And that will be Henry Cavill's last season starring as Geralt the Witcher. So, the rats, including Dolph Lundgren. Okay. Is this working for you? What's, what's, your, feel, what's your thoughts of, of the Witcher remind as it's me, going forward? Well, side note. Remind me, because um, I'm really bad with names. Yes. Lundgren. Like, what has he been in so I can uh, Rocky Four, the Russian. I must break you. He was also He-Man in the Masters of the Universe. Movie. The live action, haven't the seen live that. Action. Haven't seen that. And the wow, <laughs> Expendables, the, the Punisher movie from the nineties. Oh boy, that one I have seen. But who he played? He played the Punisher. Punisher. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Oh. That's your recognition moment. <laughs> I, I don't think that she's thinking of the one that we're thinking of because yeah, one you're not thinking of Thomas Jane, right? Is not the one that most people saw. <laughs> so nor would most people go. Oh, oh, that guy. What? Yeah. No. Dolph Lundgren right here. Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. <laughs> that one only got a 5.6 out of 10. Yeah. Oh, very. Yeah. We're going to have yeah. to have a clockwork dev moment. I here. call that. No, no. I call that generous in stars. That's five uh, stars for that Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie. Mm. That's four it too many. so bad. Mm. It's really bad. And the Punisher was my favorite character. I was sorely disappointed. So you got by lucky that, that they remade it again. Twice. Yeah. 
three times. Three actually. times, actually. Yeah. Well, Dolph Lundgren. Uh, then it was Thomas Jane. Is that his name? Yep. Yep. And then uh, Ray, Ray Stevenson. Stevenson. I thought that was a good film. Oh my oh, God, Warzone so is so Warzone good. Warzone was fun. So good. And then you can also add the one in the Daredevil. And yep. And that one's awesome. I like him too. Yeah. For the show, he's yeah. the more realistic Burnthal. of the ones. Bernthal definitely yeah. is. He's more talky. If if he could be six foot tall, he'd be. It'd be more brood. Perfect. Yeah. Because uh, Bernthal's a tiny guy and they actually I, I actually kind of agree with the choice they they don't they don't try to make him big but and he doesn't seem huge but he doesn't seem short either i don't yeah. know if they're filming him on an apple box or i don't whatnot, think so but I it think never came into play it, it's just the way they do it he he just comes across as a larger big, yeah, yeah. A, a, a bigger guy than and and i think that that's kind of cool actually for the punisher See, i never thought the punisher was a giant guy i thought he was like average height Normal looking. Well, I guy think that's just... kind of why they went with Burnthal, because it made it in universe. It made more sense. It's far, as far as it's a more realistic take on the character. You know, realistic quote unquote for a, a fictional series. You know, you got a blind a blind man that can see, and you've got you know the night nurse and all that stuff. But I mean, yeah, it's. I mean, I like Bernthal's take a lot. Yeah, don't get no, me he's, wrong. He's perfect. Uh, he's more perfect. comic book accurate. <clears throat> definitely the Ray Stevenson one in in uh, Warzone. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. God, I love that fucking movie. I remember, I remember Todd and I saw that in the theaters. Like, there's one specific scene when it happens. You're just like, I'm totally in. Everything from now on is is. is I'm sold. It's I'm the rocket. Sold. It's, it's the, the, the rocket. It's the shoulder scene. rocket. Yeah. I got to see the, that movie. There's, there's a scene this guy's doing parkour off a building and that just blows up in midair from being shot with a freaking <laughs> bazooka. It's awesome. You, you, if you remember nothing else from that film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Disney and Hulu will combine into a single app later this year. Doo-doo. They've already combined logins. They made me do that. Mm-hmm. It's annoying. Yeah. That's why I was having trouble with Hulu the yeah. other day. Yeah. For now, this will just happen in the United States, but they won't uh, force to have both if you don't want them. Uh, the decision also comes after it was reported that Disney Plus has lost over 4 million subscribers in 2023. It's also revealed that Disney's chief financial officer, Christine McCarthy, that Disney Plus, quote, will be removing certain content from our streaming platforms in the coming months. You're telling me I was in the middle of watching Willow when they took it away. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> what, like mid-movie that just stopped? Nope. No, the, the, t- series. the series. <laughs> new series. Oh, the new series. <laughs> or, or I should say... Here, I'm thinking like the old film, like, and what happened? The You're an up? amazing sword. <laughs> and, te- and technically, it's chapter one of the series. Yeah. We're never well, going to get two and three. Nah. Well, they pretty... Or probably won't, I should say. They, not not definitely, but def- probably won't. I think definitely now. Uh, but they, I think they already said they weren't... It was canceled at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they gave uh, the, the the producer, director, showrunner uh, permission to shop it around, but I oh, guess well, after cool. that, it not really anything happening, mm. or at, uh, at least not anything new. And I enjoyed it for what it was, but I had to reset what I ex- my expectations yes. were. Yeah. Yes. It it was some I saw some reviewers called it a CWing of the of Willow. I don't agree with that. Um, I can see it. I can see it. I can see where that point comes from. 
Uh, me, it was more uh, the Knight's Tailing of yeah. You know, that's definitely what the Knight's Tale was a good movie. It really was, but it, it rubs some you know people what? the wrong way. You don't like musicals? That's fine. Uh, Knight's Tale was a good movie, right? And this isn't a Willow isn't a musical. The show no, is not a musical. It was not. Was but, it though? Yes, it was. But what the show what really? Nobody's it? asking you, Barry. Shut was it. Was it though? Shut it. Continue, Todd. I think uh, it, uh, something that people had a lot of problems with it is the bringing in of modern day language yes. into yeah. uh, a movie that was supposed to be more like yeah, Robin yeah, Hood or whatever. Set in a fantasy land. Maybe and the CW will pick up Willow. And modern day music. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was definitely a modernization, but they did a really good job of fleshing so. out the world of Willow. I agree. Because I enjoy Willow. But this show had the same problem. If you watch Willow now, this show has the same issues. Willow never really took its fantasy seriously. It was yeah. almost on an edge of satire with it, even though it embraced it. But it was also very light. And the TV show is also very light. Right. And fleshed out the world, what the Bone Reavers are and so on. And I was enjoying that until Disney said I can't, couldn't do that anymore. <laughs> I still, I'm going to. I'm going to stick with Barry's version of the story. <laughs> You're just like halfway through Willow and whoop, gone. Uh, and the next story uh -oh. does my heart so good. Oh, Probably won't do so much for any of you until you watch it when it comes out. Ghost House Pictures Production Company, uh, Legendary Entertainment, acquired the movie rights to Grady Hendrix's best-selling horror novel, How to Sell a Haunted House, and Sam Raimi and Bob Tappert are set to produce it through Ghost House. Uh, Hendrix will also write the script for the movie, which will be directed by New Zealand-based filmmaker James Ashcroft, who previously made the indie horror film Coming Home in the Dark. In the story, quote, when Louise finds out her parents have died, she dreads going home. She doesn't want to leave her daughter with her ex and fly to Charleston. She doesn't want to deal with her family home, stuffed to the rafters with the remnants of her father's academic career and her mother's lifelong obsession with puppets and dolls. Oh, great. A creepy doll movie. She doesn't want to learn how to live without the two people who knew and loved her best in the world. Most of all, she doesn't want to deal with her brother, Mark, who never left their hometown, gets fired from one job after another, and resents her success. Unfortunately, she'll need his help to get the house ready for sale because it'll take more than some new paint on the walls and clearing out a lifetime of memories to get this place on the market. Some houses don't want to be sold, and their home has other plans for both of them. How to... Uh, what's the... <laughs> How to Sell a Haunted House uh -huh. uh, by Grady Hendrix is so far the best novel I've read in the last year. Okay. Phenomenal. Pupkin is a villain that... Like Pumpkin? Nope. Pup, Pupkin okay. uh, is a villain uh, set for horror iconography. Ooh. I am all in on this choice. For When I read it, I was like, I don't know how they'd make this movie, but I hope they do. And the fact that Grady Hendrix is writing the movie just makes it all that much better. If you have an aversion to living dolls and puppets causing mayhem in a horror world, you just stay away. It's great. It's amazing. It's uh, it's like, hey, why don't we take uh, Poltergeist but just make it about the clown? Ah, the, yeah. the clown that terrified Torgo for oh, yes. most of his childhood. Of who am I wearing the shirt right now, in yep. fact. 
I searched hard and for years to find a decent Poltergeist clown shirt, and I finally found one. Finally. Thank you, Threadless, for finally designing it. Why the hell? I don't get it. Why the hell? That is such an iconic piece of horror, that clown. I'm not saying they need to make one-to-one versions, but they've never made an action figure based on it. They've never done any kind of... Uh, merch merch for that quote-unquote character That's and it's surprising. an iconic piece of horror i don't understand it uh right now uh they are gearing up i think it's prop house out of la uh they are one of the big prop auctions in the world and on their next auction they have the only surviving uh evil variant of the clown from the movie itself up for auction. How much do you think that's going to go It's expected for? to go between two hundred and four hundred thousand dollars Otherwise, so I, would be, I would be in the market. <laughs> that is like the treasure. There is no other treasure beyond that. If I have that, I need no other collectible. That is the collectible. Wow. I hate those estimates on those pro- house auctions. Actually, auctions in general when they put that number up there because it always more than doubles the top end as far as what it actually sells for. They're like, oh, we're expecting between two hundred and four hundred thousand and it'll go for like a million. And it's just like it's I mean I get it. They're one of a kind pieces of movie history and there's only a very small group of people that can actually afford to buy these things yeah. sure. to and put them in their personal collection. I mean, even museums have stopped trying to buy oh, yeah. uh, at these auctions now for preservation of the public. And they just ask for those the people who yeah. buy them to like, lend them to them yeah. for a while. And put it out on, on yeah. either extended loan or whatnot. But even then, it's it's a you know, flip of a coin whether these individual, these private owners are going to donate it to these museums. So I'm such a fan of that piece that I... I'm aware of where every single existing one of those are currently, except for one. Really? Yes. This is the. There was only two evil versions made. The other one was destroyed during production, uh, during the scene. He's ripping it apart, and then they just tossed it. Uh, the other one was a backup. That's the one that's on sale. Uh, the uh, the three happy ones. The the first clown that you see. Uh, the one that has evil suggestion, but not the evil face. Uh, it was orig- the the screen ones were originally on display at here in Las Vegas at the Planet Hollywood at Caesar's Palace. Right, I forgot until, about until uh, they did their redesign of their restaurant and moved it, and they sold that to uh, Zach Baggins for his haunted hotel, sorry, sorry his haunted museum. Which so, that Planet Hollywood just closed last week permanently. They just, yeah. like, it, apparently in the middle of the afternoon, they shut it down, and nobody knew until it was done. No one, no one goes Todd there anyway. was in no the one. middle of lunch, and they just came in and they, yanked they it they right out it. from under. Right took the burger right out of his mouth. I had a piece of bacon. That's all I had left. <laughs> uh, so Zach Baggins owns that one. Uh, the d- doll designer who designed the clowns themselves for the movie uh, she made one for herself. That's the third one that's been on display in her doll shop ever since. And it's the other one that I don't know where it's at. Wow. So you have like an ultimate movie collectible. Yes. That's the last thing. you. I am curious what everyone's, everyone else's ultimate movie collectible would be. You'd think it'd be like Darth Vader's suit for me. No, not really. That's got to be a sweaty, gross mess. And I'm sure they had a few. And you'd think it'd be like a Dune still suit. I know for a fact that those things just broke to pieces after production because they were made of oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. Conan the Barbarian's sword, however, I bet you someone's got it. Oh, I guarantee. 
That would be mine. There, I, doesn't Schwarzenegger have one of probably. them? Probably. I'll have like to go raid like, his house. I think he has the hero version of I wouldn't the sword. be surprised. Well, because I swear now, to God, I've I seen him in a video it. taking <laughs> it out of his collection. <laughs> it probably well, has it. A lot of those bigger films now, too, they let the actors pick one thing yep. of, from their character to take as a memento. So. Well, especially since a lot of the, the, the actors are now producers on some of these things. So Damn just straight. Like, I am taking this. Anybody object? I no, I didn't think so. So what would you what would your ultimate oh, movie God. collectible be? That one's a hard one. I'd have to think about it for a while cuz there's so many movies that are Yeah. I, I the, don't know. Honestly, the, the the first thing that comes to mind is I would love to have one of the original uh DeLorean time machines. Ah, there it from is. I knew Back it. to the Future. I knew it. Because there's there's so few of them. Uh the best hero version is at the Peterson Museum in, in LA. And then there's the Back to the Future Part 3 version where it's got the giant uh, white wall tires that's in a personal collection that this, uh, this family has actually kind of built an unofficial Back to the Future Museum because they own that one, uh, which is, I guess, it's on a dune buggy chassis. So it's... What? It's, yeah, it's, they used it for driving around the desert. So they basically took a DeLorean shell and put it on top of like a VW dune bug. Remember the, the uh, third, yeah, when he goes yeah, back in Old West yeah. times and he has to hide it in the cave? Yeah, and then they also the have the, um, the Toyota that Marty uh, gets... The truck? Yeah, the truck uh, that you see him at the end of Back to the Future Part 1. That and then, he uh, yeah. almost got in the car accident in and didn't... Yes. Yeah. So uh, like they have that Toyota. and a bunch of other like costumes and props from the actual movies. So, so that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, that that would probably be my ultimate because that that does not surprise me one bit. I mean, I've sat in a in a replica, and that was cool. But it'd be something else to actually own one of those because I think there's only there's the one in the Peterson. There's that one, and I think there's only one other screen used that's still around the only the rest of them have all been basically destroyed I, I figured it was that one i knew i know what your second would be i th- and probably b- it would be one of mine too the ecto one. Oh god i'd love to have or that one of the original backpack like no fuck that i want the ecto one <laughs> and there was a thing where di- oh, i saw like a documentary where they uh refurbished it and dan yeah. Aykroyd came out and they they, they yeah when did everything on when it, it came now- out on when the, the back to future tr- back to the future right. when the ghostbusters, ghostbusters uh and ghostbusters 2 came out on blu-ray there's a there's a supplemental where they go and they find the old ecto one and they refurbished and refurbished because it, it yeah. was in it was in horrible shape yeah like really bad and dan Aykroyd actually narrates a lot of it Gets to see it guy. in it in person at the end and is almost brought to tears. Right. What do you think, Kirsten? Would yeah. yours be uh, one of the puppets from Meet the Feebles? <laughs> wow. No, but uh, I was thinking, I, you know what? I I really there's so many replicas now. It's just sort of yeah. I uh, but then I was thinking, I actually uh, would want either. The one of the uh, they either had a statue for still shots and and when it wasn't moving um, or the costume, although I don't think the costume survived. This is the longest sentence. (laughs) Yep, But maybe the helmet uh, Gort from Day the Earth Stood Still. Uh, Okay. um, Or Robbie the Robot from Forbidden Planet. They used that thing a few times in a few different Oh, that movies. thing was all over. The, it Actually, I stumbled across a post. I forget what the... I think it was a Retro 70s or 
it was some kind of a sci-fi page I'm a part of on Facebook, and they did a, they they talked a bit about Robbie the robot, and it was it was really cool. It that guy was everywhere. Yeah, that guy was everywhere. So I think something like that, I'd be really, I'd be really interested in. That'd be kind of fun. I like those. Um, I, I otherwise, if there's any answer, because I saw that there was one that went on. Uh, I think they did a restoration. I can't remember. Harryhausen's some of his, uh, anim, anim, uh, his uh, stop motion puppets. Mm-hmm. Like there was recently um, a skeleton was sold. Mm-hmm. I think a refurbished. Like, I an think armature. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, that, or like uh, the the original King Kong, you know, oh, that's if, a piece. If, if if that's out there somewhere, so that would be kind of cool, something like that, I guess. It's a little right. classic. Yeah. yeah, it it you know it's the because that's yeah. Sorry to put uh, you on the spot. It's just a good question. Well, it is, a question. It, it is because it's just like you know, I mean. You can you can find someone if you if you got yeah. enough money you can find some hey hey could you make me a Robbie the robot replica and you know yeah if but I had I would, a, I'm talking about original under glass well well that's the thing because I'm like you know original do I want original under glass yeah. because yeah, I want the holy grail man. I want the I want the 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 robot to be standing in the hallway where people would pass it you know and stuff like that so I'm. You, but literally, that's my consideration, Barry, because it's like under glass. You you really do have to kind of treat it, you know, very special yeah, or something. Yeah, it's like and, a historical. Uh, but like, I, item. I would like something like your lightsaber collection, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's there. It's on the wall. Uh, people can actually like pick them up and and handle them and stuff. And I think that is cool as opposed to i mean okay it might be cool if you actually had you know mark hamill's original that would be under glass exactly with like an alarm exactly (laughs) and i'd get dogs to watch it exactly and you'd have dogs okay we're doing this you know there you go (laughs) deb finds the one thing but it's sort of like but imagine that, right? Because yeah, yeah. it's 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 oh, no, under no, glass. I understand. You know? It's always good though. I broke and pl- broke open the packages and played with my toys too. I sure, get it. Sure. And I want to do that with like the cool, uh, expensive stuff. Yeah. Well, but yeah, if I know that I've got Schwarzenegger's or the or the sword used right, in Conan right. the Barbarian, that's going behind glass. The and I'll point to it. Sword, I'll put it in that hallway and I'll say, "Hey, this is the original Conan the Barbarian sword." But you're not playing with it. Yeah, cause, and you know you, you've got a point there, Kirsten. Because you should breathe those, on it. Yeah. A lot of those props breathing. were never designed to last. They yeah. were designed yeah. to be used yeah. once and then essentially thrown away. So oh, in yeah. that respect, it's amazing. So many of these things, things have well, actually it, it, yeah. survived. It's like let alone like once a lot of these prop houses once they get some of these things from the 50s, 60s, 70s, they're yeah. in horrible shape and yes. they have to have yes. some kind of restoration before yeah. they can be sold. Well, and I think nowadays they actually try to make them better because oh, they yeah. know people will pay for them. Oh, oh yeah. well, modern, modern props, they're yeah. designed yeah, to yeah. become collectibles as soon as the production's yeah. over. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, 100%. you know, Jeff, like uh, after Blade Runner, they just destroyed everything because it was sort yeah. of like oh it was a failure so you know it, and it was really funny because it's like nobody nobody really had that kind of a sense of if, if it wasn't terribly successful 
then you you just trashed it. Yeah. You know, whereas like say the old MGM musicals or something, they they would save a lot of stuff cuz they would also like re- costumes yeah. especially. Oh yeah, they, they would reuse they would, the hell they would out of that stuff. They would reuse them like crazy and um so that stuff does actually there was some preservation of a of a sort from the olden well, golden age, but it's funny that you mentioned MGM because Debbie Reynolds bought yes. a shitload of costumes from MGM when they were in bankruptcy, right? Because she was afraid they were going to literally just if they couldn't sell them, throw them away, right? Right. And right. there was and this they would massive do that. amount of they history. would do that. There there yeah. would be incredible cinema history that would go in the trash. Oh yeah, um, I know? remember several actors talking about how. Especially in you know like the forties, fifties, yeah. You know, as soon as the production was done, Get there's these giant garbage bins full of stuff that you know. Or you can recognize. we reuse it for something? Let's yeah. reuse it for something. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if I they're just... still doing this, but I swear, like five, six years ago, actually, no, it was a little before then, um, they were. There was a website where you could go to where they were selling like, here's the teacup we just used in this episode of whatever. Uh, some of them were sci-fi stuff too and they may still be doing that as far as I know I just thought of what I would want well one of the things because there's plenty of things that I would want uh, the Muppet of Sir Didymus from the Labyrinth oh wow yes oh yes. nice the Labyrinth I bet those are deteriorated to shit but still maybe but or you know well, like there's tons of stuff from that movie refer, David Bowie's costume the crystal ball that gets like you know what I mean yeah. like there's certain things from that film that I would Torgo want. wants Bowie's cod like piece the, I was just gonna make a cod or piece joke I Jennifer am, uh, I took bo- it before I did Jennifer's I cod piece. ball dress costume that she wears in the you know the dance scene and then mm. there's the horrible story of Hoggle oh yeah <laughs> Another one too. So one of my abs- and I've talked about this before. My absolute obsessive favorite films when I was a kid was Hook, because that came out when I was it was like eighty eight, eighty nine something. So I was eight or nine years old, and I must have seen that thing. I don't even know how many times in the theater. At least eleven. I'm so not like kidding. Hook's old house. Ninety one. Ninety one. Okay. I don't know how I got to see it so many times because I know my mom had this thing where like my sister and I every Friday we'd go to the movie store and we'd get to rent a film and we would want to rent the same ones and my mom told us as adults she's like there would be times where they had it and I would hide it so you didn't know they had it. (laughs) 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 So I don't know how I got to see this so many times at the theater but I got to see it a shit ton of times in the theater. I love that movie. Um, His costume or Smee's. I don't know why but I love Smee in that movie. Smee? Where's me? Where's me? Smee's me. Smee's me. What about me? There's a Hollywood museum that's opened up recently called Icons of Darkness. And how that came to be, uh, if you remember the TV show Leave it to Beaver, yep. uh, one of Beaver's friends, uh, I can't remember his name, he's the guy that started this collection that was filmed on Hollywood Studios lot for Leave it to Beaver when they do exterior shots. And when they had downtime, they would go over to the monster movie areas and because they were always throwing shit away. And they would be go him and uh, Jerry Mathers would be going, hey, in the trash, can I have that? Can I have that? And he started a horror collection that is just spectacular oh, man. and he and he's he's work he now works as a director he's directed a lot of episodes of uh uh sitcoms that's what he mostly does uh but his pastime is horror collecting and sci-fi and fantasy collecting and now he's made that collection available and it's massive he owns 
full dinosaurs from Jurassic Park. Holy crap. Yeah, he owns some amazing, amazing that stuff amazing. from all the Aliens and Predators films. Uh, that they were just throwing away. Uh, later on, he was acquiring them. Okay. Back late, as you know, you can't just, they're not throwing away a lot of dinosaurs at well, that no, point. Well, no, because that's anymore. a little, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> the well, they are, now those. they're just like creating them and they're like, all right, well, we'll but sell this to Jerry when we're done. That, but his oldest stuff, uh, the stuff from The Wolfman and... There he, you go. He got that from the trash. That actually, uh, that actually gives me a thought, Todd, because I would like the cane from the Wolfman. Oh. Mm. Uh, when was that film? That was forties, uh, like forty forty one. I think that was one of the later, um, the later Universal movies. So um, that and like any piece of forty one. Yeah. Any piece of uh, Kenneth Strickfaden's uh, Frankenstein. Oh wow! The the lab props. Any piece of a set. <laughs> yeah, the the Jacob's ladder. <laughs> yeah. Or the the. It was really funny because they actually made a joke of it in um, in Young Frankenstein. There's one thing that it does this cycling thing, chaka chaka chaka, and like Igor would hit it to make it stop. Something like that, actually. But I, you know, now that I thought, now that I actually can think about it. Uh, that cane, I actually like would fake make that cane out of cardboard and masking tape and broken broom handles. <laughs> so, so yeah, that'd probably be like my my a number one prop piece. Although it's still the Gordon Robbie would be cool, but yeah. If you want to know more about that particular museum, there is a YouTube channel out there called Grim Life Collective, one word. It is uh, a couple that engage in horror tourism all over the country, and so they're always going to uh, movie filming sites and do a great job of recreating where things were filmed, uh, but a lot of tourist things, and they have a guided tour from the guy that owns that museum and his collection through there, and he tells you about each piece that are his favorites, so I highly recommend that if you're interested in that. And what's your piece? What's your prop? What is your ultimate treasure from the annals of Hollywood? Uh, write to us, comments at geekshockpodcast.com or throw it up on the Kofi Kofi members in the Discord or on the Geek, uh, Geek Shock, uh, the uh, Shock Monkeys layer on Facebook. And I also want to thank our Kofi members. Thank you, every single one of you, for supporting the show. You help keep these lights on, and we so appreciate it. Absolutely. And especially want to thank our Tier 4 members, Deb T, David Farrar, J.R. Conkle, our Tier 5 members, King Vault, Jeff Harris, Ozzy Matt, Mad Martron, Glumley, and Atomic Gumby. And, of course, King Vault, once again, a, a one-off this week. Incredibly wow. generous. Yeah, thank you. Thank yes. you, man. But thank, thank you. you, one and all, for, for listening. A special thank you to our song creator, Sam Heffernan. That song's called The Burning Light, and you can find his music at SWH Music on Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Twitch. And you, dear listener you're the reason we do this so thank you for just tuning in and until next week i am master torgo 80s jeff run the gambit <laughs> and um we'll talk to you next week in geek is that not like a, a run the jewels bad cover band <laughs> <you're part> of? <laughs> yeah i think it's a taylor kitsch cover band of something taylor kitsch, hey i, I did want to make a correction on what i said about miss Maisel earlier so uh. Um, because the last season jumps back and forth in time so much, the last season actually takes place in 1961. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it jumps mm. back to like 
the early 50s and then when she started doing stuff and then it goes all the way up to like 2005 so but so it takes save place your in nasty 61. emails we figured it out yeah. and yeah, i remember huh. the uh the co-star is alex bornstein because she does the that's alex awesome. bornstein yes. there you that's go it was yeah. also on mad tv yes that's actually where i recognize her from and it was like i remembered it like five minutes into it and then just forgot to say something and then we yeah. were on to like five other yeah. things, and I just yeah. Forgot. Also, it was Jonas Grumby. That was the name of the skipper from Gilligan's Island. It was only mentioned <laughs> once. Sorry, I told I spaced it earlier. Mm-hmm. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody asked you, Barry. But it's true. And 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 the the two riverboat uh, <laughs> pilots in uh, Barry's uh, campaign are Barry and Kirsten. That's no, correct. No, it was yes. was They're Jonas the Grumby brave and sure? <laughs> And the snake from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark from the airplane was named Mr. Shivers. <laughs> was it really? No. No. My thing was real. Wait. <laughs> I don't believe you. Oh, Google it. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>